I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to PinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word Sid. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Mexico border. We're talking, of course, about Title 42. When it ends, federal officials anticipate a massive influx of people trying to cross the border. The concern is so urgent. The Secretary of Homeland Security is in Texas to meet with law enforcement there. What is Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, what is he hoping to accomplish with this visit? He's here now because he wants to talk to border officials ahead of the expected surge next week. Breaking news, a partial verdict has been reached in the trial of five Proud Boys leaders stemming from the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Proud Boys leader Enrique Tarrio and four others were charged with seditious conspiracy for their role in an alleged plot to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Russia has accused the U.S. of orchestrating a drone attack on the Kremlin that it claims was carried out by Ukraine. Moscow says the incident was an attempt to assassinate President Vladimir Putin, adding that sabotage attacks by Kyiv had reached unprecedented momentum. Ukraine has denied any involvement in the drone attack. It's been more than 24 hours since the medical examiner deemed Jordan Neely's death a homicide and ruled it was the chokehold that killed him. The NYPD is still investigating and in contact with the district attorney's office on how to proceed. But friends of Neely's say his troubled past does not justify being killed. The protest in downtown Brooklyn Thursday, the crowd called for the arrest of the 24-year-old Marine veteran who choked Neely to death on the subway Monday. We don't know exactly what happened here. It's an investigation thorough. We cannot just blankly say what a passenger should and should not do in a situation like that. We should allow the investigation to take its course.
Boy, you talk about a tale of two cities. The governor, Kathy Hochul. I can't stand her. I really can't. I can't stand her. I know she held out, tried to get bail reform, some other stuff done in the budget. Did a pretty lousy job of it, too, by the way. I can't stand her. Her remarks about this Jordan Neely death compared to my friend, the mayor, Eric Adams, who stepped up big. The mayor stepped up. I don't know if you have those cuts separated. I think I did ask Justin Ellick to do that. But Kathy Hochul's quotes on what happened to Jordan Neely, and then you get Eric Adams' quotes. And Eric, the mayor, was a lot more measured. He said, hey, listen, let's see what happened here. I mean, on the surface, it looks like a good Samaritan, this is what I believe, a good Samaritan stepping in, protecting subway riders. Let me remind folks, like Brad Lander, our pussy controller, another guy I can't stand. There have been 27 murders, 27 on the subways since 2020. 27 murders in not even three years. Don't tell me, oh, he was only having whatever he called it, some psychosis attack. In fact, let's play it. Here he is, another despicable Democrat politician here in New York City, Comptroller. His name is um, Brad Lander. This is from ABC 7, locally, cut number 8, Lewis, cut number 8, describing what he thought happened. New York City is not Gotham. You can't take the law into your own hands and choke someone to death who's having a mental health crisis. Brad, let me explain something to you, okay? When a kid, and you, you, you see, you tell me if I'm wrong, when a kid takes a gun and walks into a schoolroom and shoots innocent little kids, kills them, do you think it's fair to say at that point that the murderer is having a mental health crisis? Because I do. That's a mental health crisis. That is a crazy person. I know the gun did all the damage. That is a crazy person experiencing a mental health crisis, gunning down little children. Now, this guy nearly didn't have a gun, thank God, because who knows what he would have done. But if he's scaring people on a subway during his little mental health crisis, I want to punch that guy across the face. So this Marine stepped in. Now, it's very easy for people to say, well, it was too much, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, it was too much. But the guy was kicking and screaming and fighting on the ground. You don't know what this guy is capable of doing. 40 prior arrests. Brad Lander, Kathy Hochul, I hate to tell you, this guy didn't walk out of church on a Sunday morning with his beautiful wife and a couple of kids and all of a sudden get attacked on a subway by a white Marine. Didn't go that way. 40 prior arrests. When are we going to get to the point in this city where criminals are treated like criminals? Now, the guy doesn't deserve to die. We have to say that every time. It's getting nauseating. George Floyd didn't deserve to die. Many of these people who end up dead don't, quote, deserve to die. Okay? We got that. We got it. But things happen. And when you're George Floyd and you've got nine prior arrests and put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach and you're all hopped up on fentanyl and heroin, things happen. When you're Jordan Neely and you've got 40 prior arrests and you're out of control, scaring the daylights out of innocent train riders like me, things happen. 
So you finally, finally get a New Yorker who says, uh-uh, no way, I'm going to protect my fellow citizens. Finally. How many times have I seen these stories, especially Jews, my people, who get their ass kicked by black people almost every day, black people like Jordan Neely, they hunt the Jews, and we don't do nothing. We don't do dick. i got to bring on Dove Hiking, talk about it for 10 minutes, and nothing changes. Nothing. Finally, we get a brave New Yorker saying, uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. And the guy ends up dead. Now, look, somebody dies, I, I-, I guess. There's got to be some price to be paid. You're right, you just can't kill people. But to even consider murder, to have these disgusting people protesting in the streets because some whack job with 40 arrests ends up dead? Are you kidding me? Are you nuts? Curtis Sliwa, who's going to join me at 7.05, for as crazy as Curtis is, and he is, but he's incredibly entertaining. He's a great radio guy. And let me say this about Curtis Sliwa. He did a tremendous job on Sean Hannity's show last night, talking about AOC and her take on this subway chokehold. It's a little long. It's about two minutes. But Curtis really nails this. Curtis will join me at 7.05 this morning. This is courtesy of Sean Hannity, Fox News. Folks, do not allow this to be white versus black. Do not allow this to be George Floyd, number two. Curtis Sliwa on Sean Hannity, cut number four last night. Fifteen minutes, uh, no police responded because we don't have enough police. Uh, We're down to a dangerously low number, 32,000. So he did what we want citizens to do, intervene. And as you mentioned, there were other citizens, unbeknownst to one another, who jumped in. You have an emotionally disturbed person who, by everyone's description, is schizophrenic. A warrant was out for his arrest. He had hit and knocked out a 67-year-old woman in the streets. So law enforcement was pursuing him. But as you mentioned, over and over, released. And living in the subways, these people need help, medical help. And they leave them in the subways. They're a danger to themselves and everyone else. So who do we blame? A hero who has done his service in the United States Marine Corps for our country, risked his life. We don't give him the benefit of the doubt. And by the way, Sean, the uh, DA... Who is ever going to want to intervene again if that's going to be the result? They'll run away. But Alvin Bragg already cut him loose. They already talked to everybody that was on that car. They made a decision to release him. Now, because of the pressure of AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and her minions... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you say that? Just for the benefit of people that are not from New York, can you say that again? AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and her little minions, they call it a modern-day lynching. They call it murder. And so now Alvin Bragg is getting nervous. He's probably getting George Soros's call. Hey, I didn't give you a million dollars to do anything like this. I want you to rethink this. And now the pressure is on from the left. So there is a possibility he'll be arrested, and then they'd have to put it in front of a grand jury. No grand jury is going to find this Marine guilty. That's my guy, Curtis Sliwa. That's why he's on three times a week on this show, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 7.05, including coming up in about 45 minutes. That's a great job by Curtis on Sean Hannity last night. He said, look, mental little people, someone's got to take care of them. Now, I'm a little different than Curtis. And, and look, I, I hand out backpacks every year with Tony Oso. I walk up and down the cold streets 
in December around Christmas time between Penn Station and the Port Authority, giving out these knapsacks, thanks to Tony's group, to homeless people. So I do have some for you Jews out there, you Yiddish people, Rachmanis. Rachmanis. I have some of that. But I don't uh, use all that as an excuse. Crazy people do crazy stuff. Let me say this about as sensitive as I can. F them. So Jesse Waters, uh, he puts the blame on the city. Jesse, I'll be on his show a week from tonight. If you don't know, uh, I've got a little deal going with Jesse. His very popular primetime show, 7 p.m. on Fox News, which draws on average about 2.7 million viewers which is the most in cable TV now that Tucker Carlson's 3.1 million is gone. So it's a big deal to be on Jesse's show. And he blames the city. This is from last night's Jesse Waters primetime, courtesy of Fox News, Lewis, cut number seven. AOC famously said she didn't want any police in the subway. Mm -hmm. If a policeman had been in that subway car, this would not have happened. I blame this guy's father, who's not in the picture. The mother is passed away. The city says they care so much about mental health, and they let mentally ill people wander the streets threatening people. He's been arrested 40 times and had a warrant out. How many judges let this guy skate? A little, uh, the way he described his mother passed away, like some type of peaceful death in defense of the guy who was killed in this case. His mother was brutally murdered by his, um, I don't know if it's the father, the boyfriend, who knows anymore. But she was brutally murdered. She didn't just pass away. And supposedly that's when he started to go sideways. And I guess you could understand that when your mother gets brutally murdered. So he spent the last 17 years going crazy over that. And I can appreciate that and respect that. Still, no excuse. I mean, even Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo, my nemesis. This guy, he couldn't find, he couldn't find New Jersey with a map, Chris Cuomo. As I often say, all the pictures of Chris Cuomo have him coming out of the beach, not a Mensa meeting. But even Chris Cuomo, on his show News Nation, which nobody watches, I mean nobody, he had it right last night. Chris Cuomo, yes, I'm playing Chris Cuomo, cut number three. Now we're here again. A black man reportedly made a A passenger got the jump on him. Other passengers helped. The homeless man winds up dead. AOC calls it a murder, calls this man a murderer, says that this homeless man was killed for being hungry in New York City, essentially. Now, I see that as poison politics. Others hail him as a hero. He is a hero, Chris Cuomo. So do you know that Lee Harris spent one year doing sports on 1010 Wins, and boy, was Mark Ernie furious. And I did it on the morning show. So what happened was, I'll make the, the story short, I wanted to get back to WFAN. I was doing sports talk radio down in Florida, living in Boca Raton. And I would have these ongoing conversations, mostly with Mark Chernoff, a little bit with Chris Olivero, but mostly Mark Chernoff on how to get back. So, for example, they were going to do a hot talk channel, K-Rock, when Stern left and Obviously, David Lee Roth didn't work out. They were going to do a hot talk channel. And they flew me to New York. This is true. And they auditioned me and Max Kellerman. And Max and I did a show, which nobody heard. It was just for CBS management. And it was a complete disaster. We hated each other. Didn't work out. Then they tried to get me the morning job in Georgia. 
So Olivero and Turno call me, and I fly to Georgia. I stay at the beautiful W Hotel on Peachtree Street, and I walk in the next morning. I'm the only white guy in the room, black GM, black program director, black sales manager, black uh, Terry Fox was his name. And I sit down, and the first thing the guy says to me is, I know who you are. He goes, are you prepared every morning to talk about Georgia Bulldog football? Are you prepared every morning to talk about the rambling wreck at Georgia Tech? And I'm saying to myself, oh, my God, I'm going to kill these guys. I'm going to kill the guys at CBS. Why would they send me here? Another disaster. Then they go this. They go, listen, can't get you back that man end yet, but our sister station, 1010 Wins, if we get you in there with the great Ben Meverack, maybe that'll make the transition easier to get back to FAN, to sports from your living room in Boca. So they, they, they have some guy come over, AT&T, and he has this machine. I guess it's like a Comrex. I don't know. And I did sports every morning from my den, my office in Boca here in New York. I was horrible. I admit it, horrible. But uh, they loved me because I sold. I actually was the very per- uh, first person ever to sell uh, that soda thing. W- what is that called? Um, you actually make the soda at home. You buy the flavors. Yeah. You, it's a it's big a, deal. Yeah, you make it yourself. Yeah, right? so I was selling that. I was selling flowers. All my updates were sponsored because I was still a big name in New York. And even though my updates sucked, I admit it, I was a big deal. So the morning show was Lee Harris, Judy DeAngelis, and me. Judy retired not long after, but Lee has been there for like 30 years. Do you know that Lee Harris, I believe his last day at 1010 Wings is today? And you know where he's going? News Nation, Chris Cuomo. Lee Harris on the way to News Nation after about three decades. He's a wonderful guy, as quirky and odd as Mark Simone, but a wonderful guy like Mark Simone. So well, congratulations and good luck. To Lee Harris. Anyway, we've got a huge show coming your way. I am not taking that middle-of-the-road stance with this story. Well, you know, it's a tough one. It's not a tough one. The Marine, he's a hero. We need more New Yorkers to do what he did. I don't like when people end up dead. I get it. I get it. But Jordan Neely, excuse me, excuse me, much like George Floyd, while, while it's sad both guys died, Neither one of those guys are, quote-unquote, sympathetic figures. Let's stop the lies, stop the nonsense, stop the pandering, and call it what it was. A New Yorker stepping up, which New Yorkers very rarely do. That's my stance. You don't like it? I've got a T-shirt for you. It reads, well, I'll tell you later. Back after this on a Friday. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GaboLaw.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. Talk Radio 77. WABC. This 
is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. and Jennifer Warren from one of my favorite movies of all time. I love Officer and a Gentleman. I love it. Richard Gere, got a man crush on him, would bang him in a heart set, a heartbeat. And uh, yes, I did say that. And uh, David Keith, who plays the role of Sid in the movie. And of course, Deborah Winger, terrific actress. So I thought about the movie last night. This has nothing to do with the Proud Boys going to prison, Joe Biden taking money from other countries, Jordan Neely, Dying, what I believe, uh, justified the Marines' actions. Eric Adams being measured. Kathy Hochul being a witch. Nothing to do with any of that. So I get a call last night from my old producer, Steve Zemak. And I told you that there's a lot of people who have had success in this business who over the years worked for me. I'm not Imus, I get it. But as I told you, Victor Bermudez, he was my producer at WQIM in Miami. He's won three Emmys at Telemundo. Joy Taylor, Jason Taylor, Dolphin Hall of Famer's sister, sat next, in between, actually, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless for years, then sat next to Colin Coward for years. Now she's got her own show on Fox Sports. Chris Olivero, my intern, who I spent the better part of the last 20 years running CBS, Intercom, Odyssey, you name it. All these people went on to have uh, pretty good careers, great careers. Luke Lagrano, ESPN, the list goes on and on. So my buddy Steve Zemak was my producer in Florida. And that ended, of course, when I came back to New York, WABC, in 2016. But seven years later, Steve and I still talk quite a bit. And that will bring me to you, Justin. So Steve has a wife and a couple of kids. He's doing very well for himself. He's out of the radio business, but he misses it a lot. And he listens to this show on the way to work to Fort Lauderdale, Cypress Creek Road every morning. And every time I post something, he's all over it. Doing well for himself as a beautiful family, but misses the show. So he calls me a couple nights ago. And he says, you know, I never told you this. But years ago, when I was producing your show, you saved my life. Now, a little history back then. And, again, you guys don't know who this guy is. It doesn't matter. His name is Stephen Zemak. 
But back then, he was going through a brutal divorce. He married some young, cute girl named Dara down in Boca, and she made his life miserable. And he was a little wacky, Steve, you know, and ADD, whittled, and she really made him miserable. And he said, you know, I never told her this. He goes, you saved my life. This is two nights ago. He said, wow, how, how did I do that? That's not the first time I've heard that, but I'm always humbled. I said, how did I do that? Did you know when I was going for my divorce with Dara, he said the only thing that kept me sane was I'd be home on the couch at night, miserable, thinking about ways to kill myself, and I would get a text from you that would say, hey, Steve, two guests tomorrow? Really? Two guests? It's a four-hour show, Steve. Need four guests. What do you mean two guests? And he'd go, I would get so worked up when I got you a text, and I'd go right back to work to find you two more guests that I had no time to feel badly for myself. Then, of course, when I got arrested and lost my, lost my license, ZMAC would literally pick me up every morning. He'd go north to go south to go north on my driveway and take me to work. He was a wonderful producer. But when he talked about the guests, I said, Steve, i got to tell you something. And this is where Officer and a Gentleman comes in. Richard Gere goes through hell. Right? Lou Gossett Jr. puts Richard Gere through hell. He's quitting. I've had enough. I'm leaving. His best friend in the movie, David Keith slash Sid, kills himself. And Deborah Winger and the whole thing. He's miserable. But what does he do in the end? He graduates. And at the very end of the movie, after he graduates, it's a big deal. You know, He gets on his motorcycle. And he goes back one last time to where he was. He spent his rec- recruitment days, you know. And he's sitting on his motorcycle, and he's watching Lou Gossett Jr. tell the incoming class the same exact thing he said to Richard Gere. And you remember remember that. There's only two things from Oklahoma. Steers and queers. Ain't no horns on you, son. So Richard Gere is sitting on his motorcycle watching Lou Gossett Jr. treat the incoming class the same exact way he treated him. Where you been all my, your life? Yeah. <laughs> Listening to rock music and bad-mouthing your country. <laughs> Where are you from, boy? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Oklahoma. Two things. Two things come from Oklahoma. Theirs and Theirs queers. and queers. <laughs> yeah. I don't see no horns coming out of your head. Beautifully done. So Gear sees the incoming class going through the same thing, and what does he do? He just smiles. And when Zemak was telling me how I used to treat him with these texts, I just smiled. And I actually said to him, Steve, just so you know, the new class, Justin Ellick, they get the same exact texts. Nothing's changed for me as a host in 15 years. But my producers at 790 The Ticket in Miami in 2007 to Justin Ellick here in New York in 2023. And he loved it. He's like, really? I said, yes. Yeah, and you saved my life every single day. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you do get that text all the time. The same all the thing. time. So now you joke about it. You saved my life now. But when this is over, and it'll be over, nothing lasts forever. Mm. I'll either retire at some point or move on to something else. I don't know. You will look back because you won't be nearly as successful. Right. You just don't have it. Right. Right. So you'll look back, <laughs> and you'll be like, wow, what a great time in my life. Mm. And, and Sid, for as crazy as he was, and the narcissism, all those stupid words that my detractors love to use, 
He made me into a great whatever it's going to be, mm. which is still to be determined in your case. Yeah, TBD. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he made me into a great porn star. <laughs> yeah. No, you're a great radio guy. You are. And uh, you actually have a lot more on-air experience than ZMAC. Now, ZMAC is out of the business. You won't be. When I'm gone, you'll still be in radio. But um, all these guys say the same thing. Victor, too. Victor was like, you know, there were days I thought you were completely insane. Insane. And like I said, he's gone on to win three Emmy Awards, so. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, well, it, uh, it's not uh, to think you are completely insane. You you are completely right. insane. Sure. Uh, yeah, but it's, uh, I would say it's even gotten, it's even gotten more, more amplified. I mean, it, it'll be like Friday, like today at like 2.30, says he's going to text me and be like, who's on on Monday? <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, dude, no, it's, for sure. it's Friday. I know, you hate that. You hate that. You're like, and so, once in a while you do say to me, it's Friday. Yeah. Like, leave me alone. I'm going to the Yankee game tonight. I got some, some chicks I'm going to bang. I mm-hmm. just bought myself an eight ball. Right. You don't do that anymore, I know that. Right, yeah, I yeah, know yeah. your mom listens. Yeah, so. yeah. Sorry, mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I thought it was cute because uh, it's the it's Lou Gossett Jr. and Richard Gere. It's the same speech. So you're Gunnery Sergeant Foley, basically. Basically, you are gunnery. same okay. thing. And and if God forbid, I mean God forbid, Justin's not here, and the next guy comes in, he's going to get the same text, the same speech, and he's going to be better at his job because of it. Bottom line. Yeah, or he'll quit. Or he'll quit. Yeah. Yeah. Or even worse, like David Keith, hang himself in the shower. <laughs> oh, God. We went from zero to a hundred very quickly. <laughs> That's good. Every year there's some character who thinks he's smarter than me. Well, you, lo- you love that movie like I did, huh? I think it's a great movie. Oh, it's so well great. I think so it's great. very well done. I love to hear that. That's yes, great. It movie. is a great movie. Yes. I never want to hear about it again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great guest list coming up today. Curtis Sliwa, John Katsimatidis, Brian Kilmeade, Bob Anonway from uh, Goya. If I, sp- if I said that incorrectly, I'm sorry. Rob Astorino, Dick Girardi talking Kentucky Derby, and one of the great writers in the country today from the Miami Herald, my friend Dave Barry, plus traffic with Joe Nolan coming up. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the Rita Cosby Show. Here Rita talks about a subject we rarely bring up at the station, Joe Biden. This is the beginning of a lot of different things. Again, it's an if because we have not seen the document, but they claim that there is a whistleblower who can prove that the Bidens were involved in basically a bribery scandal. And this would be extremely serious if indeed something significant policy was changed and there's a direct document and correlation to it. And if indeed he received money or his family received money in exchange for him changing policy that would personally benefit him but not benefit the United States. That would be something extraordinary. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick, it is I here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers out in Detroit. The Mets lost 2 nothing to the Tigers with the offense unable to offer any real support in Justin Verlander's solid Mets debut after a rough start. 
for Verlander. He surrendered back-to-back homers in the first. He settled in nicely to punch out with two earned runs off five hits over five innings of work. He took the loss, but should be, feel good going into his second start of the year coming up in about five days. The Mets, as a unit, though, are looking to get back on track now after losing nine of their last 11 games and falling to 500 at 16 and 16 overall. Now six games back of the first-place Braves. They'll see if they can indeed right the ship starting tonight when they return home to welcome in the Colorado Rockies for the opener of a three-game set. First pitch is set for 7-10 p.m. with Kodai Senga primed to take the bump against Colorado's Antonio Senzatella. As for the Yankees, they'll return to action tonight in Tampa Bay. This is a huge, huge set against the Rays out in Tampa. They're trailing Tampa by nine games now in the AL East. And yes, indeed, the best we can do is Johnny Burrito in the opener for 6.40 p.m. First pitch against Tampa's Yanni Chirinos. In the NBA, the Warriors beat the Lakers 127-100 to in Game 2 of that series to nothings at one game apiece. And you got the Knicks and the Heat out in Miami. Game 3 coming up tomorrow afternoon at 3.30. Looking ahead to tonight, though, the Devils and the Carolina Hurricanes, they got Game 2 out in Carolina at 8 p.m. with Carolina currently up one game to none. Here with sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankList.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I am Justin Alec on 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. If somebody else is not coming, of course, is Megan. Megan is not coming. Harry's coming. We understand it's a complete in, out. Like within two hours after the service, he'll be gone. But I kind of think, I kind of think maybe we're better off without Megan coming. Well, I think that. Uh, she has been very disrespectful to the Queen, frankly, even during that time. I mean, how can you be disrespectful to the Queen? The Queen was incredible for years, for decades and decades. She never made a mistake. Think of it. With all of the people that you watch them, and you see they make lots of mistakes. If they're famous people, or not famous mm. people. But I don't know. I can never think of a mistake that no. she made. She was never controversial. When I was with her, I tell the story, and I said, who was your favorite president? Oh, they were all great. They were all great. I said, who, but did you like Ronald Reagan the best? Oh, I liked them all very much. What about Richard Nixon? Oh, I thought he was wonderful. Then I said, who was your favorite prime minister? And she said, uh, just fabulous people, every one of them. But wasn't it Winston Churchill? Oh, I liked him very much. And I'm saying to myself, you know, this is so smart because there's like yeah. no controversy. Yeah. She went through years and years and decades without controversy and just did a great job. You cannot be disrespectful to her. And I think Megan was very disrespectful to her. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh I cut my teeth on wedding rings in the movies And I'm not proud of my address In the torn up town No postcode Good stuff, Lou Rufino. It's funny, I was talking about Steve Zemak and Justin Ellick getting the same tax from me eight years apart. And I can also do that with Lou because I used to send Victor Bermudez all of my music selections. This is going back 15 years ago. Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, 
hey, make sure you download David's soul. He'd be like, what? And not know who it is, probably, right? right? And uh, do the same thing with you. Yeah, so. and then when you could throw me a curveball, I'm like, who the heck is Ronnie Smith? What yeah. doing? Now I get uh, Dr. Hook. We need that. We need Dr. Oh, Hook. We need Dr. Seals Hook. and Crofts. Oh, I love that. You know, uh, the funny thing is, with Victor, I picked every song. With you, I don't. Uh, in fact, I pick less and less songs lately because you literally, as Eddie Murphy once said about Stevie Wonder, you were a musical genius. So I don't do a lot of that. Maybe I pick now three or four songs a day. That's it. I just love the time they come in, though. I just get <laughs> up out yeah. of the bedroom. Sunday morning. 845, <laughs> Sunday morning. What is like six yeah. songs already? And then they keep coming. They keep coming. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happens is I'm in the car for about an hour and a half because Danielle and I leave from Battery Park in the city to go to Bell Harbor Rockaway. So there's 45 minutes of uh, Yacht Rock Radio. <laughs> so you got about six songs there. Dr. Hook, Seals and Croft. And then after we go through the house, go to the last stop for, some, for something to eat, we get back in the car, and then I do it again. So it's about a two-and-a-half-hour period where you'll get anywhere between six to ten songs. Oh, my God. 7.48 a.m. <laughs> Sunday. I, this is one of them. Oh, my you, God. You've, like, called me on a Sunday morning at, like, 7.45. And then he acts like all he acts like he acts feels all bad for waking up. He's like, oh, so I'm sorry, buddy. I didn't mean to. I didn't you mean to. You were up anyway. Didn't didn't mean to, yeah, yeah, of course he's up. I was sure. just getting home. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What was the song I texted you at 7.40? It might have been this Augustana Oh, song? Boston. Boston. That was the day before the Boston yeah, uh, I, bombing anniversary. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a big deal. Dave Loggins, Neat Sweet Caroline. <laughs> God, it's just constant. That's all I see for these lists. Yeah. And I went, okay, good morning. So Stern is uh, back in the news. I get a text from uh, Lydia. And I'm still friendly with Lydia. And she sends me this story about how it's Stern. She goes, oh, I can't stand him. And I'm like, oh, stop it. Just stop it, please. I don't care. I don't care whether you like him or not. He used to have these arguments with Bernard on there. He used to call him Coward Stern. And Bernie knew him for years. I don't care. I love him. I know his politics are ridiculous. I get it. He's woke. He changed. He went from blue-collar New York to Hamptons, Hollywood. He's hanging out with George Stephanopoulos. All that's true. All that is true. But I'm a radio junkie. I listen to everybody. And I know who's good and who's not. And... For me, at least, as I continue to ascend, the guy that's had the most influence on me is not Imus. It's Stern. And I'm still listening to Stern, and Imus is long dead. So I put all that other nonsense aside. If he starts talking politics, I shut it off because it does annoy me. And he does sound stupid and hateful. But for the most part, his show is unbelievable still. He's funny. Nobody does a better interview and I think I'm as good as it gets. I know I am. At this station in New York, there's no one close. And I'm not nearly as good as Howard. That's how good he is. So I don't want to hear about it. You don't like Stern. I couldn't care less. In fact, one of the highlights of my career was when he called me in, did a 45-minute interview with me. He was there with Audie Lang and Robin Quivers and Scott Farrell called in. It was a highlight. It was uh, dates back about 17 years but I still laugh to this day that, of all people, Howard Stern told me to calm down. But we have that, though, Lewis, play this. When Stern tells me I need to calm down, this is a cut number 15. 
So did you think your career was over after I did. that? I remember waking up the next morning going, I'm 33 years old, and I can't believe it's over. And I didn't listen to Imus, to be honest with you. I listened to you. Right. You know, and, but, well, uh, so does Imus. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But in the 70s, when I was a kid going to school, my dad would listen to Imus, you know, right, right. before you were a monster star. And, and so I thought I knew a little bit about the show. So I figured when I got there, it was just total zany. No idea that he was trying to become a different type of guy. You well, know? here you are, a sports expert, and I can see you got the gift of gab and everything. But Thank sometimes, you. like, maybe you got to rein it in just a little bit and play the game a little. <laughs> rein it in just a little bit. So Stern is in the news this week because he's not a big sports guy. He doesn't care about sports. Not even a little. Doesn't even pretend to. Kind of like Bernie in that respect. But he gets tickets to go to these Nick games, and they put him on the court because he's Howard Stern still. Sits right there next to Chris Rock, next to Tracy Morgan, Kevin Bacon, all the big stars. That line, that first row uh, last week, the kid from Staten Island, what's his name? He's the Bank Kardashian, Pete Davidson. All the big stars who sit right there on the court, and Stern always gets those tickets. So he says a couple days ago, hey, man, I'm at these Nick games. I'm, like, sitting in the front row, and all these black Nick players, they want nothing to do with me. They don't even say hello to me, which I find to be shocking because Stern has become woke, right? And he works with Robin Quivers. She's black for the better part of 40 years. So he grew up in a, in a section in Long Island, which he claims was all black. So Howard Stern has been very good to them. I know that people call him a racist because of all the games he plays and the way he talks and his bits, and he had the king of all blacks and angry black and blah, blah, blah. But if you don't understand that all that is tongue-in-cheek, then you're just being silly. And people on the right tend to just attack him because, oh, you know, if we did what Howard Stern did, I'm sick of hearing that, too. Thank God for Howard Stern. Thank God for people like Stern and Rosenberg who just don't care. How many people are going to come on the radio today and say, you know what? The guy that killed Jordan Neely, he's a hero. I'm going to say it ten times today. I don't give a rat's ass what Kathy Hochul feels, what Brand Lander feels, what Alvin Bragg feels, what some fat white chick wearing an Ohio State sweatshirt right now feels. He's a hero. So Stern goes on to say, wait a second, of all people, they don't like, they don't talk to me. This is on his show a couple of days ago, Howard Stern, cut number 17. I've always sat, I, some, you know, the Knicks have been very kind to me. They put me right in the front row. That's when I knew I was famous, when I, you know, I have courtside. They put me courtside, and the black players won't come over and say hello to me, but they go over to Spike Lee, or they go. They don't like, acknowledge I'll be sitting, you at all? No, I'll, like, I'll be sitting next to um, Tracy Morgan uh-huh. or Chris Rock. You know, they, they, they seat you where they seat you, and a lot of times when I'm there, I'm next to Tracy Morgan, who is, you know, so funny, and he's sitting there, and, like, a couple of the players will come over, they, like, give him that bro shake and, and stuff, and I'm like, hmm, these guys should hug me, too. I mean, what am I? I mean, I'm, I grew up in a black neighborhood. You know what I mean? I mean, uh, they should know that. But I get ignored. The only guys who come up in... that is? I think because I'm a white guy. You think it's a racial thing? It's got to be. some white people. No, no, not that I saw. I want them to. I want them to talk to me. I want them to come up and go, hey, Howard, fan of the show or something. But uh, no, I don't get that. And, and, and you know who comes up to me sometimes? The referees. Like oh, the, wow. Like, yeah. 
They, the, white guys and black guys, they'll come up to me. White referees and black referees, like, hey, how are they? But yeah, yeah. a lot of the white referees. So I'm like, oh, is everything racial now? Can I get a can I get a shout out from some of the players? But this Halterstein, I'm banking on him to come over and like, hey, man, I'm a fan of your show or something. <laughs> Maybe he will be ostracized by the team if he talks to you. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just get upset. I'm like, you know, fame to me is very important. I don't, I'll admit it. I, I like people to recognize me. Well, they the might game. not. They might be recognizing you. No, it's just not speaking to you. Yeah, maybe they don't <laughs> like me. I don't know. I'd like to think it's a white thing, not my personality. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's racial. That's not a woke guy right there. White woke host claiming black guys won't talk to him because he's white. That's not woke, folks. That ain't woke. He calls him Holterstein. He knows nothing about the Knicks, nothing about the league. But we'll wrap the whole Howard Stern segment up. Holterstein. The big white guy. Um, (laughs) Bill O'Reilly was on yesterday, and he's furious with Howard Stern. He couldn't even hide it. You know, Bill gets mad about stuff, but he's so big and so famous that even if he's really angry about it, he's able to brush it off. He couldn't even do that yesterday. Bill O'Reilly was furious. The first five minutes of our conversation, I couldn't get him off of Howard Stern. Because Stern contends, I didn't know Bill O'Reilly at Boston University. O'Reilly's a liar. And O'Reilly's like, don't call me a liar. That's where I draw the line. That's where credibility comes into question. Don't call me a liar. And then O'Reilly sent me this audio with him and Howard Stern trying to prove that Howard Stern is the guy that's lying. From the No Spin News, Lewis, this is Bill O'Reilly, cut number 16. So Howard Stern is uh, angry with me uh, because I went on WABC radio, which I do you know, frequently. They're our flagship radio station. And I talked about how uh, I attended Boston University and Howard Stern was there. Okay? And I knew who he was because he was the only guy in the school of communication who was taller than me. And he had a, an afro. Okay, So Stern tells his audience yesterday, I'm going to play you the clip in a minute, uh, but put his picture up there. The reason I said he had a fro is because he had a fro. <laughs> Here it is, okay? Now, he says he didn't have it, that he had long, stringy hair with a ponytail, but there's the graduation picture, Howard. Now, he gets on the air yesterday, uh, and he rips me up. Go. And he started in again about how he knew me at Boston University, which is just a total Lie. Why do you even come up? You're not friends with him. You don't know him. I Why don't is he know the guy. About him? You. I don't. I don't know how. So on December eighth, two thousand five, Mr. Stern appeared on the Factor. Go. We're both raised in working class families on Long Island. Okay, right. Stern and O'Reilly. We both wind up at Boston University at the same time. That's right. We're terriers together. Okay. We both reached the top of our professions. Ten million in one shot for me. Eight hundred billion in one shot to me. Why am I bothering with this? This kind of stuff gets on social media. Stern attacks O'Reilly. Stern calls O'Reilly a liar and all of that. And then it gets into the record. Okay, People believe. They believe this. Now, Stern probably just misremembers. Okay, I'm not, I wasn't friends with him at BU. I just knew he was. I think he knew who I was. So I was a big columnist for the newspaper there. But it didn't matter. He acknowledged that we, he knew we were there together. And then on his program yesterday, he goes, I don't know the guy. Oh. It's not important other than the pickup by social media. It goes everywhere. So every famous person, every athlete, every politician gets attacked. And even if the attacks are false, boom, it's everywhere. This is a horrendous problem in this country. And that's why I've showed you that. You are right, Bill O'Reilly. So there it is. 
uh, Sid Rosenberg, Howard Stern, Bill O'Reilly, all in one great segment. We did start the segment with Donald Trump talking about Meghan Markle because if you don't know, if you're on the moon, tomorrow happens to be King Charles III coronation. Yes, Charles will be crowned king in London, England tomorrow. And unlike the Thompson twins sing right here, he ain't going to be king for one day. He's going to be king forever. Thompson twins, king for a day. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. You know, Curtis is coming on. This is his music. I just got this text. I always thought millions of people around the world were celebrating my birthday today on May 5th. Then I found out it was Cinco de Mayo. And we've got a couple of good guests stopping by for that. John Katzmatidis, the man himself, coming up at 725 from Goya. Bobby Beans coming up at 825. And the chef, my good buddy, the chef, uh, Diego, he cooking up something, some uh, really good. Fernando, I'm sorry, for Diego. Fernando, he'll be here at 925. So we're, we're celebrating that. But it happens to be Joseph Abu's birthday today. Happy birthday right. to the greatest men's fashion designer ever. And one of the loveliest, if not the loveliest, human being I ever met, my dear friend, Joe Abu. Happy birthday. So uh, last night I happened to catch Curtis on Sean Hannity going off on AOC, and the in-studio crowd loved it. Curtis is on this show three days a week because he's great. Whether he's hosting 12 to 1 weekdays or all weekend long, he's an icon, he's a legend, he's Mr. Guardian Angel. And if anybody, anybody could appreciate what this Marine did, because basically that's what Curtis has done, excluding killing people, for the last 40 years protecting New Yorker, it is my next guest, the great Curtis Slewa. Good morning, Curtis. Oh, good morning. And I noticed Slew is getting into that uh, disco groove, which normally he <laughs> hates. 
Thank you, Lou. <laughs> it's Disco Friday here at WABC. Well, again, he, he still hates it, but he does it for you because well, he loves you. Let's okay. hand out the Conal Rosa Bichuel. It's the beans and rice because today is Cinco de Mayo celebration here at WABC. But <laughs> yeah. you're right. Finally, it took one person to say, who's the expert on the subways? Because everybody else is weighing in on this. And my friend, Sean Hannity, who's actually rode the trains with me early on in his career, he bumped into me and said, I got to have Curtis on. Because I put guys into headlocks, half Nelsons, full Nelsons, arm locks, leg locks, to restrain them because I don't have handcuffs. And when you have to restrain somebody who's emotionally disturbed or having a psychotic episode or trying to commit a crime, you gotta you got to use some pain compliance. The of course. Person doesn't just stop. you got to understand this person has no control of his mental or physical faculties. And if you notice, there were two other guys assisting him that he didn't know. They didn't know him. One of those guys, it is worth pointing out, the other two guys assisting him, one of those guys was black. Because let's not kid ourselves, this has turned out to be white versus black. This is George Floyd, Eric Garner, all these guys all over the game. By the way, in every one of these cases, the guy that died, God rest his soul, was not a good guy, not a sympathetic figure, Jordan Neely. No different. Yeah, but you see, it doesn't make a difference. If it had been black on black or white on white, nobody would be paying attention. You're right. This has the ingredients where all the racial racketeers jump on board, led by AOC, all our crazy Alexandria Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. By the way, they made me do it twice last night. on. I I played the clip in the first segment this morning. Sean made you do it twice because, I know you know this, the in-studio crowd loved it. They went nuts. Where did Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, all out crazy, go to school? Boston University. Uh-huh. Maybe she said, oh, I was there with O'Reilly and Stern. <laughs> but anyway, she threw gasoline on the fire. Now they're calling it a modern-day lynching, uh, you know, vigilantism. Remember, they made the documentary on me called Vigilante. Yep, yep. So if there's anybody who knows about it, first of all, this is a Marine. You give him the benefit of the doubt. He served our country to preserve your right. To call it a modern-day lynching, to call it a murder. This is the second time in just a few months where we disrespected a Marine in this country. The other one being we made a horrible trade with the Russians, brought home a WNBA basketball player named Brittany Griner, who strutting her stuff at the Met Gala three nights ago, while the Marine is left to rot in a Russian prison. So clearly this country no longer respects almost most important people, the Marines. And also, what do you want us to do when we're faced with a situation, you're in an enclosed uh, space, the doors are closed in the subway. Many people run, right? Fear and fright. They run. Or they pull out their cell phone and they film. This guy actually got involved, restrained it. Took the cops 15 minutes to get there. Why? Because the cops are slacking. No, we don't have enough cops. And we've been talking about the mental health issues in the subways Going back to Bill de Blasio and Charlene, who stole $1.5 billion in this fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi program called Thrive that was supposed to deal with the emotionally disturbed. So when Brad Lander, all of a sudden, who doesn't ride the subways, he has a tax-provided SUV with police-armed escorts, suddenly starts calling him a vigilante, white supremacist, excuse me, Why don't you open up an investigation? You have subpoena power into your very dear friends, de Blasio and Charlene, who stole one and a half billion dollars that was supposed to help these poor souls out there. Brad Lander is the controller here in New York City. He's another liberal Democrat pussy. 
who I would like to punch across the face. That's how much I despise him. And if I say this and it gets me into trouble, I don't care. I'd love to punch Brad Lander across the face. And he goes, wait a second. He killed this poor guy while he was having a mental health crisis. Wait, I would say to you, Curtis, and I said this earlier, when a kid walks into a school with a gun and starts murdering innocent little children in a classroom, isn't that shooter going through a quote-unquote mental health crisis? Of course. Now, this guy didn't have a gun, Jordan Neely, but who cares what he's going through when innocent people are put in danger? And also, remember, if this is accurate, and we'll find... Hey, remember, the other thing nobody's talking about. Alvin Bragg cut him loose. You understand that? They had the guy in custody. The ADA, after analyzing the results, you know he kicked his up to Alvin Bragg. Uh, you know, boss, we got a really bad one here. White guy choking out a black guy. Cut him loose. There was no evidence. But I'll bet you George Soros picks up the phone <laughs> says, Alvin Bragg, you know, I gave you a million dollars. Not to be cutting loose white <laughs> Marines said that last who night. choke out a black guy. Come on, guy. And now they're reviewing the situation. Excuse me. All right. So you're reviewing the situation. But you initially made a decision. People have to understand this. Alvin Bragg made the decision initially not to have him arrested, not the police department. Just like Alvin Bragg made the decision initially not to charge Trump. But then, and I don't like Alvin Bragg, I hate him, but the truth is he wasn't going to do it. Exactly. And then he got a, a, an undue amount of pressure from people around him, and the same thing is going to happen now. Hochul's already calling this guy a murderer. So Bragg, for as lousy as he is, sometimes he makes the right initial decision but he's also such a P-word like Lander that he caves in of to course. his people. The red phone rings. Hey, it's George Soros here in the Hamptons. What the hell are you doing? By the way, Hochul, I call it Kathy Crime Wave Hochul. She's in charge of the MTA, the money-taking agency, the subways. She's not providing security or mental health. Remember how they're always told, oh, we're going to have mental health experts yeah, yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah. Every day I'm in the subway, homeless, emotionally disturbed. A lot. And yet every day buses come into the Port Authority. Which hotel would you like to go to, senor? Oh, I'd like that Holiday Inn down on Rector Street <laughs> where I have a view of the Manhattan Arbor and the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I mean, they get to go to hotels. I know. Are homeless and emotionally disturbed. They get to ride the subways and live in the subways. This is the only time in my life where I'm actually sympathetic to the homeless. Because I'm not like you. I'm not out there feeding these people. I do drop off knapsacks Christmas, and I do have some rock money. But I'm not like you. But in this case, they're still our people. These other folks are not. I am actually well, sympathetic. Look, you look on my Twitter. Yesterday I was in Astoria, the home of AOC, All Out Crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ditmarsh, last stop, NW train. There's this small, diminutive, homeless, emotionally disturbed woman there every day. I said, have you ever seen AOC? Because she she's lucid in that regard. Have you ever seen Caban, her mini-me? No, 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 no. So I took care of her a little bit. But what can a person do without the city and the state true. doing yeah. their fiduciary responsibilities and taking care of these people? That's what Jesse Waters, who will be joining again next Friday, was writing about last night. This falls on the city for not helping a guy like Jordan Neely. And you can blame whoever you want, and, and you're right, and, and Jesse's right. All I know is I'm on the subway. I see some guy freaking out. I want somebody to stop that guy. Remember. 
the subway is run by the state. Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, when all of a sudden she was losing the Congressman Zeldin, she found money for overtime <laughs> to flood the system with the NYPD so to stem the loss of votes. So all of a sudden she could find overtime money for that, but not to deal with the mentally disturbed, not to deal with the homeless that are everywhere in the subway. Come on, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. Why don't you ride a subway? Yeah, you probably need an MTA map to get around <laughs> with your 20 state troopers there armed to protect you. Curtis Sliwa, who, again, you should go back and watch it, was amazing with Sean Hannity on Fox News last night, but even better with me this morning. Only about three minutes to go because yes. the big boy, Sean Katsimatidis, is going to join us and kind of open the Cinco de Mayo celebration. But I've already received a text this morning from Bo Deedle, and he asked about Frank Morano. Bo yesterday uh, contends that years ago when Bo was running for mayor, that Frank Morano recorded him and gave the actual recording to the New York Post. If that's true. All true. All true. You're 100% sure. I want to vote before the commission, Sid Rosenberg. I want the five people who voted to possibly permanently expel me. It wasn't just suspension. I had already been suspended for two weeks. That's true. That was permanent expulsion, and I only won by one vote <laughs> because Bold said, hey, look, you know, you never go against the family. We've had our battles over the years. Well, which, I voted for you, too. Yes, you did. Yeah. You did. But, hey, it was a close vote. Huh? Yeah, very Not close. Lou, that's no, for Lou sure. Hates you. Lou hates you. Yeah. And I told Lou you. Lou hates you like Ron Kuby hates you. You can't have no Mladen because, you know, he's he's a vote for sale. You know, man. <laughs> he's a Judas. So, yeah, I'm wondering who Mickey Featherstone will vote for, Peter King, right? So you got you, you're, you're Maya Lansky, you got uh, Justin Ellick, he's Bugsy Siegel. Of course, there's Bo, who's Tommy Lucchese in uh, Harlem Godfather. Great, he plays a great role there. And then, of course, you got that other that other vote, right? That's Lou, who's little Nick, Nick Carrazzo. Oh, Nick Carrazzo. The guy who paid off the guys who tried to kill me. I know exactly who he is. He could be Frankie, for that matter. Exactly. So I want to vote in the commission. I want to vote in the commission. You want to vote. And right. how, how stupid does your friend Arthur Idala sound, sound now when he said the other day, oh, things are so much better in the subway. Well, I play that cut over and over. I know over. you do. Like what a times. schmuck. What a stunner. Well, Morano's putting together a dream team of attorneys, led by your former partner, Ron Kuby, who told me yesterday he'll never come on this station again. He hates everybody except for me. Uh, and also Alan Dershowitz and Idala. But you made the point last night because Idala filled in, volunteered, to fill in for Joe Piscopo, oh, you gotta give it. who's not my competition. I don't have any competition. Look, you said that he should be suspended, look, too. Joan Rivers was the choice to Johnny Carson to substitute for him, and she was on more than any other guest. And then she became a traditor, just like Arthur Idala crossed over the Rubicon. Remember, I have my own talk show competing with Johnny on Fox. She crashed and burned, and Johnny Carson said, a pox on you, Joan Rivers. You must do the same to Artie Idala. Imagine over there, if all of a sudden something happened to Joe Piscopo, right? And they say, hey, Artie, you want to do mornings? With pleasure. <laughs> I'm going to beat Sid. I'm going to beat him just like I beat him at Poly Prep Day School. By the way, real quick, we got to give the picks in uh, tomorrow's t- oh, Kentucky yes. Derby. We're going to have a Dick Girardi who's been calling the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont, and the Preakness for 40 years. Join us live at 925 this morning. My main man, Vinny Viola, he's got the favorite tomorrow. Forte drawing out of the 15th position. But here are Curtis Lewis' picks for the Kentucky Derby. Now, Tappet Trice, uh, the gray horse, uh, he's uh, a late runner. Five to one, he's the five horse. Forte second. 
Then Kings Barnes, he's the six horse, going off 11 to 1 for third. And Angel of Empire, he's going off 6 to 1. He's the 14th horse. And let me tell you, you're going for so the long shot. You want me to box? You want me to box? Like no, a no, 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 box? Exact, no exact boxes. No box right, left, and every which way. <laughs> and your long shot on the rail, number one, hit show at 30 to 1. It won't be like Rich Strike last year, 80 to 1. That hillbilly horse with the hillbilly owners came out of nowhere and then bit the outrider and the horse at the end. The outrider had to punch him out. He wouldn't stop. Where's Rich Strike now? Is he pulling a plow in the fields of Ohio as they harvest corn? What happened to those hillbillies? You know they juiced up Rich Strike. I want a test from a year. They just removed the trainer with two horses, right, because he was juicing them up. Four horses unexpectedly died. I want a complete lockdown and investigation. This is a shunder. This is a discretion. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I mean, working at one of the great AM signals in New York was, of course, uh, WFAN, and they still operate on the AM. And I know that uh, your boss um, got, I guess, Mike Pence to record a PSA. Yep. And hopefully AM radio will survive. There's a lot of great radio stations that, for whatever the reason, are not on FM. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly hope the AM, AM dial remains an integral part of radio and stays in cars. But not my call. I just wish and hope that it does remain. It's, it's deserved that, you know, not everybody can move over to FM for whatever the reason. And um, most AM signals, uh, especially whether it's the big cities or the small cities, do have a local purpose and a local reason for being there. And I just hope that it's successful, whatever Mr. Katsimatidis and um, the whole industry will be supportive and get to the automakers and and just hope that uh, we can get the AM to still exist in cars. So a guy right there, the former, I don't know what he was, I guess, vice president. He ran the show with WFAN during the glory years for over three decades. Mark Chernoff talking about AM radio. And John Katzenbatidis, of course, who does not one but two great shows here, every weeknight at 5 p.m., Katz and Cosby, and then his Sunday morning show, which is amazing, the Couch Roundtable. He's involved in a lot of stuff, John. Him and his beautiful wife, Margo, owns his station, energy companies, oil companies, Christides, D'Agostinos, all that stuff. But I have to tell you, John wrote an op-ed a week ago today, a week ago today, in the New York Post, about keeping AM radio alive, because he is playing a major part in that, like Turnoff said, meeting with Mike Pence, going to meet with others, him and Chad. And I think it's a very, very important piece that John wrote last week. The future of AM radio, I think, is important. So with that said, here he is, Mr. WABC, my man, 
on this Cinco de Mayo celebration, the great John Katsimatidis. Good morning, John. Good morning, Sid. I mean, it's a the good news is it's not raining. No. Oh, God, it must have rained for a week. <laughs> a, a week for three months. I mean, I God. Mean, me, me, uh, we were on the Greek uh, at the Greek parade uh, on the float. Me and Chad and Emily and Margo and uh, and Ernie and Estes was the grand marshal, and it was raining and raining and raining. Oh, the whole and weekend. Then, uh, and, and the whole weekend, and we're going up Fifth Avenue, and then and then the trees are so low and the float was so high, the trees almost chopped our heads off. <laughs> God, what a and then two days before that, we started our second epic season on a Friday night, Staten Island Ferry Hawk Baseball, and poor Vinnie Madunio was singing the national anthem in the rain. In the rain, and I'll tell you, uh, it's my fault that the Ferry Hawks lost that night. We were winning three nothing at the end of six innings. We were winning three nothing, and then Margo says, "I'm tired. Let's go home." And the minute we go, we we left the stadium. We lost. That's right. So that means that you and Margo need to be at every game, every inning, every pitch, so you make sure they win. If you lose. If you leave, they lose. you got to be at every game, John. Are you prepared to do that? Does that mean I have to be in the studio 24-7, too? <laughs> hey, there's only so many hours in a day, and I was just talking, John, about all the great things you do and all your companies. And before we get to Cinco de Mayo, I was just talking about that op-ed piece you wrote a week ago today in the New York Post, and I played the turnoff sound. And AM Radio is important. I know that Sean Hannity and Mark Levin are talking about, well, they want to get rid of it because that's where conservatives talk. That may be true, but uh, your reasoning is even better. Tell us about your fight to keep AM Radio alive. Well, AM Radio is always going to survive, but it's part of the uh, the Department of Defense. It's now called under FEMA. And I met with FEMA when me and Chad were in Las Vegas. And uh, with all the 50,000-watt stations that exist as part of the Department of Defense, part of FEMA, it covers 97% of the American people. You can't have an electric car and not have AM radio because in case of emergency, Nobody will know what the heck is going on. Right. Now, now, is this a Chinese conspiracy all over again? (laughs) Who knows? I mean, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but who knows? Because you won't be able to cook because you're going to have to cook with electric. You won't be able to drive. You won't be able to listen to the radio. Is this a Chinese conspiracy let, let the audience figure it out. It may be. The, may be, because don't forget that they, they, they provide the batteries for these electric cars, too, and they don't want all this propaganda on the air. And I'll tell you this, John, the two most terrifying, and I mean terrifying, segments of the week on WABC is when you and I have Gordon Chang on. Terrifying. <laughs> well, there's another thing. The, the other reason about the 200, uh, about the AM radios, you ready for this? Yep. They put they put a radio in, and Ford, by the way, Ford is going to be the next Anheuser-Busch. They put a radio in, it's $200. You know what they want to do to you? You know what Ford wants to do with, to you? How much? They want to they charge you $9.99, $9.99 a month 
So you can listen to AM radio. So they're, they're going to they're going to make it like uh, like Sirius XM to, to pay a subscription every month. That's ridiculous. That's, that's all about money. But if you're in an electric car and if it's done digitally, you won't be able to get it in case of an emergency. Wow. That is that is really bad. I mean, I, I don't think people realize this. Again, Hannity and Levine are talking about it from a political side. Your side, I believe, is, is even bigger, even bigger than that. And I and I really do believe the Chinese have a lot to do with it. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist even a little, but I do believe that that's the case. The great John Katzenmatidis, Katz and Cosby, 5 p.m. every weeknight, and his terrific show Sunday morning, the yes, Katz Roundtable. I I, yeah, you made me forget what I called about. Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> now, if you stop the next hundred people that cross the street, across the street from you, across from Smith and Walensky's, how many of them are going to know what Cinco de Mayo is? Very few. Uh, very few. So that's what I'm here for. See, I'm here to gain <laughs> to gain knowledge. I mean, I got I got to I got to serve some purpose in life, you know. <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, please, you serve a million purposes. Right. But you know what's funny? But when you talk about Cinco de Mayo, is no one was doing the news earlier, John, and he was doing the story about Title Forty Two is about to end, and that means more and more Mexican people coming across the border here to the United States. It was it's kind not of the Mexicans. No, it's Everybody not. Everybody else but the Mexicans. Right. The, Mexican, the Mexicans come over and they go back home again. Right. That's right. Explain Everybody that to people. Everybody else comes over and stays. It's, they, they, Venezuela opened up all the, the jails, sending all of them over. I, I mean, more Chinese, why should they go fly into uh, uh, where they're getting checked out at the airports? They fly the Chinese over to Mexico and they walk over. It's true. It's true. You're right. But we're going to celebrate Cinco de Mayo here for all, all the right. people. Okay. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. Cinco de Mayo. It has nothing to do with Mexican Independence Day. Mexican Independence Day, September 16th. This is the Battle of Puebla, and Mexico doesn't celebrate this. Franklin Delano, Delano Roosevelt made Cinco de Mayo almost like an american holiday wow uh, and, and yeah i didn't know that it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like saint patrick's day they don't really celebrate that in ireland you're telling me this day here in the united states they don't even celebrate over there no wow this is september 16th is mexican independence day it's may 5th is cinco de mayo made famous by the battle of puebla where they kicked the french they they took the french and they booted them out of uh, Mexico, and that's what uh, the celebration is all about. I'm not sure the French feel good about that. And <laughs> one of the reasons we're celebrating is we respect the Mexican people. We respect culture. Yes. So it's a celebration of culture versus the celebration of independence. And most important, my friend, the CEO of, uh, of Goya Foods, Bob Unanaway, is sending in their top cook. And guess what? We're going to have the best Mexican food money could buy or money can't buy. And that's we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo at WABC, respecting the Mexican people, respecting our partners, Goya Foods, that, uh, that does a terrific job in Hispanic and Latino foods. And uh, the quality is unbelievable. And, uh, and in addition... I owe Bob Unanaway from Goya Foods. You know what I owe him? 
a, a party for his birthday, and we're going to have a party celebrating his birthday. Oh, and he's such a great guy. By the way, he's going to join me on this show, Bob, coming up at 825 this morning. So that's less than an hour. And the cook you're talking about who's on this show every year, Fernando Deso, he's already here making a great chicken dish, and he's going to join me at 925 this morning. So Sid and Friends has both of those terrific gentlemen on the program celebrating John this morning. I'm on the over. Don't eat all the food. <laughs> all right. I love you, pal. Thank you. Thank you, John. Take care. Take care. There he is, the owner and operator of WABC. Does a great job again every weekday afternoon at 5, Cats and Cosby, and every Sunday morning at 8, the Cats Roundtable. Really proud to call him a friend, him and his wife, Margo, John Katsimatidis. we got Brian Kilmeade, Fox and Friends, and One Nation, and After Me every morning here coming up next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Every weekday morning, right after me, you know who does a fantastic job, and I mean terrific, Brian Kilmeade, also a star at Fox News, whether it's Fox and Friends every weekday morning. He's got his own show, which I've been a guest on many times. I absolutely love it. It's a great show, One Nation, Saturday nights at 8 p.m., and if somebody's out or is sick or leaving like Tucker Carlson, he's the first guy they call. He is just a five-tool player and a terrific guy, my friend Brian Kilmeade. Happy Friday, Brian. Wow, there's a lot going on, Sid. Thanks for the introduction, and I look forward to seeing Are you tonight on Jesse Waters? No, no, it's a week from tonight, and as I pointed out to you while we were off the air, if uh, water starts to lap you in Sid Rosenberg appearances, then uh, it's feasible, because I'm a very fickle guy, that all these nice things I just said about you, I'd say about Jesse, and you'd line up behind Jesse in terms of Sid friends. We don't want that now, do we, Brian? Yeah, I, I get the shot across the bow. I understand <laughs> it. You know, and by, by the way, you would not. I'm so much more fun than him. See, we just, I mean, if you're hanging out with him, he'd be talking about himself the whole time. I, I do what you like most. I talk about you. <laughs> You are a hundred percent right. One, and right. I love Jesse. I love him, but you're right. You are. You're a lot more fun. But we're going to start this morning with a story that's not about fun, and that is uh, a guy that I called the hero. And I have to tell you, my wife Danielle, who's an attorney, listens to my show every day. And when I labeled this Marine who accidentally killed Jordan Neely, a hero, the other day, she went nuts. Take it back. Apologize. I said no. I mean, look, here's this guy, Jordan Neely, who had 40, 40 prior arrests, 30 years old. And what's happening now? Just like George Floyd, Eric Garner, he's dead. He's a hero. He's a lovely kid. He sang Michael Jackson tunes. His mother was brutally murdered 17 years ago. What do you want from the kid? And the truth is, the kid was a menace. Again, 40 priors, scaring the daylights out of people on the subway. So a good Samaritan, a civilian, a Marine, steps in. Now, it's unfortunate the guy died, but here's the biggest issue with this, okay? The biggest issue is New Yorkers need to do more of this. We need to get involved, not wait for police, and defend ourselves. And if they try this guy with murder because he's white and nearly was black, George Floyd number two, that's going to tell New Yorkers don't get involved. See me? If I'm on the subway, I'm doing the same thing. I'm jumping in, trying to help out somebody else. They charge this kid with murder? I'm not doing nothing. 
I'm sorry. That's the worst part of this story. Sid, we already got the pushback. There's protests in the streets for this for this schizophrenic. He they, he says he's schizophrenic. Uh, his you see the quote from his aunt. We tried to get this guy help. It was impossible to help. He didn't want to hear any of it. She said, uh, as his aunt, uh, I was crying out for help from my nephew, but everything about him was about insurance. Doctors knew his condition. He needed to be treated. He wasn't a bad person. He needed help from doctors. Didn't give him help. I was really frustrated. I didn't know what to do anymore. He's been arrested 44 times. He was screaming on this train. He was uh, threatening people, throwing garbage at them. And the 24-year-old didn't take a gun out. He didn't take a knife out. He sat there and got him in a submission hold, which you learn in jiu-jitsu. I don't know what this kid, I like to see the toxicology report. They want to make this George Floyd, too. And it's absolutely not. Do you know that 27 people have been killed in Subway since 2020? And they said it took 15 years to get to 27 prior to that, uh, prior to 2020. It is it is a mess down there. And it's all because the Marine was white and Jordan Neely was black. That's right. And they say that the rent AOC, the rents have gone up. He had nowhere to live. That's the problem. The rent went a little bit too high for him. (laughs) That was the issue. (laughs) And the irresponsible Governor Hochul, it was horrific. I don't need to see any more to watch him murdered. Uh, You should be able to ride a subway and not be murdered. Are you insane? Eric Adams was awesome so far. Yes, yes. The major difference. Kathy Hochul basically saying this was murder. Eric Adams saying, slow down, folks. We need to see more. We We need to learn more. So I congratulated the mayor yesterday on his response. Kathy Hochul, like you just said, very irresponsible. Responsible, very knee-jerk, and quite frankly, nauseating. We'll see where this story goes. Donald Trump is going to join me on Wednesday morning. It's a big deal here, at least. But uh, later on that night, Brian, this Wednesday, he's going to be back on CNN doing a, um, well, I guess a town hall. And what's funny about this is, is that Trump supporters are furious because they hate CNN. And Trump detractors are mad at CNN because they're like, why would you put this guy on? Now, my opinion, which matters less than yours, but I'll say it anyway, my opinion is it's a genius move out of both CNN, who needs ratings, and Donald Trump, who's trying to get to those, you know, suburban housewives. What does Brian Kilmeade think? Number one, let's just go back to your original statement. How, if he is the number one, if he's the former president, and he's leading on the GEO for the nomination, on what planet is that not worthy of a news channel? What planet? What do you mean, we don't want to humanize it? He was the president and might be again. So are you crazy? Oh, I don't like him. He does this in January. Okay, fine. There's a pathway for January 6th. Obviously, people never tire of it at CNN. They live off it. No one's saying that. He's going to go on, tell his story, and... If it's like Leslie Stahl and don't let him finish anything and dismiss everything he says, which turned out to be true, and they're going to just dismiss everything. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. She looks like an absolute lunatic now, Leslie Stahl. No one's going to hold her to account. Now, if Caitlin Collins goes ahead and gets him talk and treats him fairly, that will be the first time since maybe 2015. That would be the first time. You're right, in uh, eight years, which I think is a, a very, very big deal. <laughs> Excuse me. So uh, more comes out this week on this Joe Biden pay for play and the corruption. And now there's another whistleblower, some other piece, a letter they've got, which says that Joe Biden absolutely bribed. They, there's four different possible countries. They haven't really named the 
the uh, specific one yet, but it's just another in the long laundry list dating all the way back to Miranda Devine, Brian, New York Post, years ago. And then, of course, Tony Bobolinsky with Tucker Carlson with Hunter Biden. I spoke to both Ron Johnson and Mike Lauder this week, and there's no doubt the House Republicans have a stack, a stack of information proving that Joe Biden lied, Hunter Biden lied, and even Secretary of State Anthony Blinken lied. When do you think we're finally going to see some repercussions, these Bidens? When are they finally going to pay the price? You you bring up a good point on the Secretary of State saying he had no contact with Hunter Biden, and they have emails showing a friendship that is probably tighter with Hunter than he is with Joe. So he flat out lied. And and Ron Johnson said, you know, I asked him that specifically because clearly Johnson knew where he was getting. What's your relationship with Hunter Biden? I don't have one. Have you ever interacted with him? No, I don't recall ever doing that. Okay. And now he becomes Secretary of State. And the problem is, it looks like Hunter Biden is getting advice from the Deputy Secretary of State at the time uh, about doing business with other countries, perhaps. You can't go to the state. You can't ask Colin Powell to give you an in in Romania. I mean, that's not the way it works, unless you're Joe Biden, I guess. <laughs> so what's he doing? Meanwhile, he's got deals with Romania, the mayor of Moscow, Ukraine, China. So all these places... Guess who he's interacting with? He's either traveling with the vice president and his dad, or he's going by with the secretary of state or getting advice for who to deal with and where to go. I need to I need your advice on this. So it looks absolutely terrible. And it's, he just feels as though he's not going to get caught. You look at it. He's, he's in our face. He's hanging out with the president, goes to the White House every day, goes to the Easter egg rolls, goes over to Ireland. He thinks he says, you guys can't touch me. And he knows how corrupt he is. I mean, the laptop all proven true. The other thing that it's not getting enough attention is we found the letter. One of the letters, Mike Morell to John Brennan. Uh, here's a paraphrase. Hey, it would be great if you would sign off on this letter saying the laptop is Russian disinformation before the debate on Friday. Help tell the story. John Brennan said, sign my name. Wow. Mike Morell, yeah. the deputy CIA director, calling the current, the former CIA director, sign my name without even seeing the letter just to help Joe Biden in the debate. If you want to talk about election manipulation, that's your focus, right? Oh, 100% and talk about the CIA and the FBI and all these services that have really proven to be corrupt. And I know I've got friends like George V. who works here, spent 20 years in the FBI, terrific guy, Brian, and he gets offended, he gets angry, but, hey, tough. I mean, these stories are popping up all the time, FBI, CIA, really dirty. I mean, really dirty. So they should be the angriest because... They are hurting their reputation. As you're so proud to be one of the 35,000 serving the FBI. You know how, how many quiet cases you've cracked, how many crimes you prevented, how many horrible people you brought and, and made them uh, brought to justice. And then you have people out there playing politics with the reputation of the Bureau that you were proud to serve. He should not be mad at you. He should be mad at the Andy McCabe's of the world, the John Brennan's of the world. He should be mad at the... Um, all the, the lovebirds and everybody else oh, Peter that are Stroke out there and, Lisa and James Page. Comey. Right. And, and even Chris Wright. I got news for you. He's uh, he's uh, he's a liar, too. So it's a mess. Uh, the big guys at the top have been a mess for many, many years. On the way out, one of the things you do really great, Brian, is not just politics, but you do sports. And if you did an interview for sports on One Nation or even Boxing Friends, there's one guy you'd have to talk to this week. 
And that's a Brooklyn-born billionaire, a very, very good friend of mine named Vinny Viola. I believe he is a sports guy of the week, and why is that? Well, for starters, he's a Brooklyn-born Ranger fan who happens to own the Florida Panthers. And the Panthers are now up two games to nothing on Toronto, two more wins during the Eastern Conference Finals. And, of course, they beat the Boston Bruins. Secondly, he owns the horse Forte, the 15th position, that is tomorrow's favorite to win the Kentucky Derby. I know Janice Dean is out there wearing hats already this morning. So here's a guy from Brooklyn who loves Bomantes, who made all of his money at Virtue here in New York City, that owns the Florida Panthers and the favorite in tomorrow's Kentucky Derby. Vinny Viola, is that not the sports guy of the week? Yes. And did Sid Rosenberg just make sure he's in the box? Oh, yes. For the Panther game <laughs> and at the Kentucky Derby? 100%. By praising him like this? I'm just on the – I'm watching this move. I'm watching this Sid move, and I'm, thinking, I'm in awe of where he's going. Well, I took it a step further when the Panthers ousted the Bruins – the other night to become the team to get the biggest upset ever. I had Vinny on for 15 minutes on WABC the next morning, on Tuesday morning. Right. So so between my conversation <laughs> with you now and bringing Vinny on, I'm in, baby. Me and Tom Brady. <laughs> now, put it this way. I think he's going to put you on his plane. You know, I don't think you're going to be flying on Delta. Uh, you're gonna. It's uh, It's going to be Vinny Air Force One. But I will say, I, I will say this. What's it with Brooklyn? I mean, Al Davis from Brooklyn, Jerry Colangelo, so many people just emerged from that uh, that dense bureau yeah. of talent. Including me. And savvy. Yes. And don't forget the greatest basketball player of all time, who, of course, we all identify North Carolina with him, but he was born in Brooklyn, the great Michael Jordan. Right. He, I don't think many people know that. No. It's in that part of his story. I don't know, know what kind of impact he made. I will say this. Uh, I got to get, we have to go to a Nick game. We, you and I have to sit in the front row. No, because uh, I'm like Howard. The black players won't talk to me. <laughs> Howard Stern. <laughs> did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. And, and I was, and I sit in Corey Zelnick, my dear buddy, his second row seats. And I'm, uh, I've got pictures all over my Instagram, me and Tracy Morgan, me and Spike Lee. Now, look, I got pictures with Liv Schreiber and Kevin Bacon, too. But I've never had an issue with black players or black celebrities talking to me. But for some reason... They don't talk to Howard. He's very upset. So who talks to him? Hardenstein? <laughs> I mean, who is, so <laughs> what's going on? You know, Thibodeau, that's it? The coach? Oh, God, those are the only two white guys I know. Man. Yeah. Oh, no. Hardenstein. That is funny. Very good, Brian. But By the way, he gets great seats. Coming up tomorrow. He gets, he gets great seats, man. Yes, he, he has totally changed. He's yes. Mr. Hollywood now. I know. He used to be the raw New York City guy. He's all Hollywood. He's still great, though. I had this conversation last night. He's too woke. He's too this. I go, if he was too woke, he would not be complaining about black players not saying hello. Trust me. I still love him, but you're right. He's definitely changed. You haven't. You're still the best. Again, whether it's Fox and Friends, One Nation. Or every morning here at uh, 10 a.m. Brian, you do a fantastic job. I love you. Have yourself a great weekend. We'll do it again soon. And Sid, here's my pledge. If I buy a major sports franchise, you will be in the luxury box. (laughs) I promise. You don't even have to be nice to me. Hey, listen, it may happen. I can see you buying, at least for starters, a USFL team because your kid works there. So, And Donald Trump works on the USFL team. So. Right. And by, and by the way, let me just bring this up. I don't bring that up on the air, but Sid brings it up on the air. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with you? I think it's cute. I love it. It's great. You're a great right. father. You're a great father, Brian. I love you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you very much. And I'm <laughs> raising you, Sid. See you later. <laughs> See you later. <laughs>
Brian on fire. Brian Kilmeade, everybody, 10 a.m. after me every weekday morning on WABC. And both Fox and Friends and One Nation on Fox News. Still a lot more to do today, folks. Two hours of great guests on this, the Friday edition of Sitting Friends. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Down at my outfit today, and I really like it. <laughs> I got to say, jeans and my Joseph Abood blue jacket, but I really like this t shirt that our loyal listener Patty and her husband made for me, for us. Got this shirt now in eight colors. Eight. And if you go to my Instagram page, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, every morning I put up a video, most mornings previewing that morning's show. Usually do it about 5.45 a.m., so I look tired, but handsome nevertheless. And uh, this T-shirt reads, Make America Number One Again. Not great again, that's a Donald Trump deal. Make America Number One Again, like me, this show, we're number one. And then it's got a Sid and Friends logo on the back. And uh, I like it. So I've been asked to do TV across the street today, and I'm considering it, I don't know, but I usually wear a T-shirt on television. There's a lot going on at my house. You know, Ava's been sick for a couple of days, and Danielle, she's had some stuff going on, and I'm exhausted, to be honest, exhausted. I look tired. I know I do. 
And I haven't shaved in two days, so I may not do I, I don't know. I don't know. I told you I like the rustic look. That's gay. Oh. But the fact that you like it is, <laughs> believe it or not, the fact that you like it. You learn something new about yourself every day, don't you? No, I knew that about you. Oh, yeah. Okay. But the fact that you like it actually has me considering doing it, just, you know. Well, that's kind of my job. Is no, to get it's you like an afternoon show. It's not like, I'm, like Jesse Waters next Friday night. That's, that's putting down stuff, you know. It's got three million viewers. It's a big deal. Right. Not that this isn't a big deal, but you can get away with the T-shirt here, trust me. Uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. You can get away with maybe showing up <laughs> naked. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to consider it at the very least. Uh, let me yell and scream about this uh, subway story, which I love doing, because this Marine, and I hope Danielle's not listening, this Marine who will kill Jordan Neely, I'll say it again, he's a hero. He's a hero. If you say anything but your... Oh, you don't like New York, I can tell you that. You don't care about New York. You don't really care about mental illness or crime or any of that stuff. You don't care. He's a hero. Do you know that since 2020 and three years, 27 people have been murdered on the subways? 27 people have been murdered on the subways. Now, you're going to say, well, wait a second. This guy didn't have a gun. He didn't have a knife. He was otherwise a good kid. He sang Michael Jackson songs, danced, did the moonwalk on the subway platform. He was up and crazy. That's what he was. And that day, he was yelling and screaming. He was throwing garbage at innocent strap hangers. Now, let me tell you something, Brad Lander. My 14-year-old son, my angel, the love of my life, Gabriel, he takes the train. He sees a guy like that, and he never wants to go back on the train. And it's happened more than once. Guy like that, Mr. Oh, he's a nice guy. Bullshizzle. Guy like that scares the hell out of people. But more than often, whether it's somebody throwing feces in somebody's face, somebody attempting to rape somebody without a gun or a knife, or somebody like this psycho, nearly, we don't do anything. We wait for cops to show up, and we bitch and complain. So now you finally get a guy, finally, this 24-year-old Marine. And he didn't act alone, mind you. There were three of them, one of them black. But you finally get a guy who says, uh-uh, enough is enough. I'm not waiting 15 minutes for the cops. And that's not, that's not a knock at the cops, trust me. I'm not waiting. These people are scared to death. I'm doing something about it. So he puts this guy in a headlock. What is his toehold stuff? When did that start? Takapina talks about that, too. He put him in a headlock. I wrestled at Poly Prep 30 years ago. It's a headlock. What chokehold? To make it sound worse, choke, because people die from choking, of course. Put him in a headlock. Now, I don't know if this kid had other health issues. Let's not forget George Floyd, that scumbag. He had enough fentanyl and heroin in his body to kill five people. That's why he died, along with the fact that that Minnesota cop was a murderer. Nobody was more happy than me and Bernie. They put that Minnesota cop away. We never defended that guy. What, what made us angry was the way George Floyd was treated after. Statues and all of a sudden, almost a deity. He was a lowlife, a criminal lowlife with nine priors. Put a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. 
not nearly worthy of setting all of our major cities on fire. That was the real insurrection, folks. You morons in the media, you don't know what insurrection means. The real insurrection was every summer evening in 2020. They had guns, knives, burn down buildings, beat up innocent people on the streets. That was the real insurrection, not January 6th. Over this, George Floyd. And this kid, Neely, he's going to be George Floyd, too, because all this case is about, whether it's AOC or Brad Lander, all it's about is that a white guy killed a black guy. Not, not that a white Marine was heroic in standing up for innocent New Yorkers, no. And the black guy is out of his mind, and who knows what he's going to do. No, no. The white guy killed the black guy. And that's why the New York City controller, this pussy, who had punched right across the face, number eight, Brad Lander. That's why he made this stupid comment on Channel 7, WABC, just yesterday. Cut eight. New York City is not Gotham. You can't take the law into your own hands and choke someone to death who's having a mental health crisis. As I said earlier, having a mental health crisis. If I said to you that the person who walks into a school, whether it's Lanza or the one in Mexico, in Mexico, in Texas, walks into a school and systematically shoots and murders innocent little kids in a classroom, if I said to you that person was having a mental health crisis, could you deny that? Of course not. It's the same. All these crazy people are in the midst, Brad Lander, of a mental health crisis. What's your excuse? You're just stupid. Now, this kid didn't have a gun. I get it. But so what? So what? He was scaring the daylights out of people, and who knows what he could have done? Mental health crisis. How does that become an excuse for putting people in danger? Not for me. Not for me. So I got to give my colleague, my coworker, a guy that stars on this show three days a week and does a great job, Curtis Sliwa, a lot of credit. He went on Sean Hannity last night. He took out AOC. He said exactly what I've been saying on this show for three days, which is the Marine was a hero. Unfortunately, Jordan Neely died, but the Marine was a hero. Curtis Sliwa, courtesy of Fox News. Cut number four. Fifteen minutes, uh, no police responded because we don't have enough police. Uh, we're down to a dangerously low number, 32,000. So he did what we want citizens to do, intervene. And as you mentioned, there were other citizens, unbeknownst to one another, who jumped in. You have an emotionally disturbed person who, by everyone's description, is schizophrenic. A warrant was out for his arrest. He had hit and knocked out a 67-year-old woman in the streets. So law enforcement was pursuing him, but as you mentioned, over and over released. And living in the subways, these people need help, medical help, and they leave them in the subways. They're a danger to themselves and everyone else. So who do we blame? A hero who has done his service in the United States Marine Corps for our country, risked his life. We don't give him the benefit of the doubt. And by the way, Sean, the uh, DA... Who is ever going to want to intervene again? If that's going to be the result. They'll run away. But Alvin Bragg already cut him loose. They already talked to everybody that was on that car. They made a decision to release him. Now, because of the pressure of AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and her minions. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Can you say that? 
Just for the benefit of people that are not from New York, can you say that again? AOC, all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her little mini-me's, they call it a modern-day lynching. They call it murder. And so now Alvin Bragg is getting nervous. He's probably getting George Soros' call. Hey, I didn't give you a million dollars to do anything like this. I want you to rethink this. And now the pressure is on from the left. So there is a possibility he'll be arrested, and then they'd have to put it in front of a grand jury. No grand jury is going to find Wait this Marine guilty. That's been my point for days. You take a guy like me, I'm a strong guy. I'm not the rock, calm down, but I'm a strong guy. I can defend myself. And if I'm on the train, I've done this already, and somebody's being harassed, I jump in. I'm not going to. Not because I don't care about my fellow New Yorkers. I'm just not going to. I don't need Bill Ritter killing me on ABC News. I don't need a 100 people showing up outside on 3rd Avenue saying horrible things about me. Happens anyway, but I don't need it. I don't want it. That's where we are. This guy did the right thing. He's a hero, and now you're going to charge him with murder? Do you know that Jordan Neely, as Curtis just pointed out, there was a warrant out for his arrest? He punched a 67-year-old woman? Hey, Brad Lander, dickface, would you call that a mental health crisis? Did you know that Jordan Neely had 31 more arrests than George Floyd? He had 40. 40. Hey, Brad Lander, dickface, would you call that a mental health crisis? You know what's a mental health crisis? That New Yorkers are crazy enough to vote you in. That's a mental health crisis. Or AOC, or how about this one? The governor. She's already got this guy guilty. Already. She's got to deal with the crime. She's got to make excuses. Can't get bail reform done. She can't do nothing. Nothing but sell decent Buffalo Bill jerseys. And she's already got this guy guilty. Here she is, the governor. What an embarrassment she is. Cut number five. You know, homeless on our subways, many of them in the throes of mental health episodes. And that's what I believe are some of the factors involved here. And then cut number six, where she just blames basically the Marine. Three individuals holding him down until yeah, the up. last breath was snuffed out of him, oh. I would say was a very extreme response. Shut up. Thank God for the mayor. I can't believe I'm saying this. Even Curtis didn't argue this morning. The governor's got the guy guilty. The mayor said, well, slow down. Slow down. The mayor making ultimate sense. You may not like Eric Adams, but now you know why I do. Every now and then, man, not 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 Rudy Giuliani, I get it. But every now and then, this guy steps up, and he stepped up yesterday. Mayor Eric Adams, cut number one. Uh, each situation is different, and how a passenger, uh, we have so many cases where passengers assist of, of the riders, uh, and we don't know exactly what happened here until the investigation is thorough. And each situation is different. I was a former transit police officer, and I responded to many jobs where you had a passenger assisted someone. And so we cannot just blankly say, blankly say what a passenger should or should not do in a situation like that. We should allow the investigation to take its course. Congratulations, Eric. Even the most liberal of news media people, Anderson Cooper, Anderson Cooper on CNN, a white guy kills a black guy for him, that's a double orgasm, double orgasm. Even Anderson Cooper took a breath before he made a decision. This is cut number two, courtesy of CNN. This so strikes a chord, especially for people who live in big cities. I mean, we've all been, you and I are New Yorkers, we've all been on streets or in subways where there are people having what appear to be psychotic episodes or some sort of mental health crisis, screaming, 
seem threatening. And it's a question of, you know, you're trapped on a train. What do you do? One wants citizens to help other citizens. Yeah. Um, th- this is a, a tough one. Finally, Jesse Waters. Uh, I'll be on his show a week from tonight. I'm on Jesse Waters primetime now once a month. We struck that deal a week from tonight. Jesse Waters, he puts the blame right on the city. This is Lewis cut number seven. AOC famously said she didn't want any police in the subway. If a policeman had been in that subway car, this would not have happened. I blame this guy's father, who's not in the picture. The mother is passed away. The city says they care so much about mental health, and they let mentally ill people wander the streets threatening people. He's been arrested 40 times and had a warrant out. How many judges let this guy skate? In the end, I'll say it again, this Marine is a hero. He's going to get charged with something because somebody died. I understand that. But if they really pursue murder charges against this guy, that just goes to show you that these politicians don't care. They don't care about the safety of New Yorkers. And I got to tell you, more I read into this story and look at this, the more I really appreciate what him and those other two guys, or three guys involved here, one being black, what they did. Because, again, I don't know how many lives, and you can talk to Curtis Sliwa, who's dedicated his life to protecting New Yorkers, 40 years. How many lives can be saved if, in fact, somebody steps up like this Marine did and said, you know what? Not today, bitch. Not today. Back after this. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Funny, I do those segments, and I always wonder how women feel sometimes because I, too, tend to get um, vulgar and I throw a lot of curses out there. And no, you're not allowed to curse. Don't ask. Well, how come Sid can? Because I get an eight. That's why. So don't even ask. But I'm amazed on Instagram, on Facebook, I get tons of messages from women. They're like, oh, I like that. Say that again. I'm like, really? They love it. They love it, Lewis. I'm not sure Margot loves it. No, she's the one who says, don't talk dirty to me. Don't say that. The women, the the messages, they line up. Not today, B.I. Not today. I'll tell you what is happening today. Cinco de Mayo and uh, Bob Unanwe is a terrific guy. I've known Bob for years. Of course, he's very close with John and Margot. He's the CEO of Goya. Goya is not just a great food company. And, of course, a lot of us came to know them well when uh, Donald Trump fell in love with them publicly. But they do so much stuff, so many good causes. told you many times, my daughter Ava, she's going to college for law. She wants to protect young girls involved in human trafficking. Goya does that. This guy Bob is like, he's got a heart of gold, man, heart of gold. So here he is to celebrate Cinco de Mayo, my friend Bob Unanwe. Bobby Beans, what's going on? Good looking. <laughs> hey, Sid, good morning. Uh, great to be with you. 
Good to have you, too. You're and, the best. You're the best. Uh, love you. Thank, thank you. I love you, too. Thank you. And well, there's a lot going on, Bob, and usually when you come on, you're, you're caught up on every major news story. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you talk about what you want to talk about this morning. Well, you know, today we're, we're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, which was a uh, you know, battle in Puebla in, in uh, 1862. While we were in our Civil War, the French uh, decided to go in and, I, be- I believe, collect a debt. But, um, you know, this is a battle that they won uh, eventually in uh, 1867. Uh, the French uh, left. Uh, in, in 1810 was the, the cry for independence which on September 15th. Where the Spanish were occupying Mexico, that they eventually left in uh, 1821. But you know, we celebrate uh, their independence, and you know, the United States is the second largest Latino country in the world, uh, behind Mexico with 120 million. We're we're 70 and growing. Uh, they say we're the the Latino will be the biggest group in this country by 2050. It could be. Uh, Next week or after May 11th when they take away (laughs) Title uh, 42. It's funny you bring that up because I brought that up earlier with John Katsimatidis. He comes on every time we do one of these days celebrating any, any, uh, obviously, religion or creed. And um, he was talking about that. Of course, he loves you, loves you. And I said, you know, it's ironic that we're talking about this today because no one was just saying this morning Title 42 is about to end. And we expect a bunch of people to go, hold on a second. When Mexicans come here, they go home. The other people, they come here and they stay. Is that true? Yeah, well, you know, the Mexican community was here first. And, and you know, the, the thing is with this Title 42, they're expecting 10,000 people a day now. They're sending 1,500 uh, active military to the border. I mean, they're going after the wrong people. You know what? The border is controlled by the cartels. It's drugs and trafficking are the biggest industries in in our world. And while you know we've been promoting it, the problem is we've unraveled so much in the last couple of years with this administration showing weakness. Ronald Reagan was strength, peace through strength. We are chaos and war through weakness. You look at Afghanistan. You look at you know. Korea, China, Ukraine, Russia, we are showing so much weakness. We're just opening the door yeah. to let yeah. people walk all over us. It's true, but you know, we've got to take this country back. You're right. You know, we need another Ronald Reagan uh, well, running this country. Uh, he ain't coming back anytime soon, but I'll certainly take Trump again in 2024, I'll tell you that. But um, to, your point, <laughs> to your point about the cartels, some of these other top presidents, you know this, they actually sat down with the cartels, and they, they realized that the cartels were really the real government, <laughs> and they had to sit down with these people. They didn't act like they didn't exist, or they were, you know, have like Mayorkas lie to everybody that, you know, we, they're scared of us. They're not scared of us. Do you think it's time for the White House, this administration, to sit down with the cartel, even though they're enemies, and figure out a way to stop this? Well, you know, you mentioned President Trump, and he showed, you know, the art of the deal. A lot of he showed strength, and they respected that. You know, he sat down with Lopez Obrador and said, "If you don't get this thing straightened out, I'm going to put tariffs on your stuff coming into this country." And he, the next day, he had his troops at the Guatemala border. You know, curbing the inf- influx of people coming 
from all over the world, not just Mexico, all over the world, into this country. And it's run by the cartels. But, you know, he showed so much strength. And, and we wouldn't be in Ukraine, you know, wouldn't have the issue in Ukraine, Afghanistan. We have shown so much weakness by selling, sending Kamala Harris to the border is not showing strength. They haven't done a darn thing. You know, we have to talk tough. We got to get our, uh, our country back. And we're we allowed by our weakness, the cartels to take over, Russia to go into Ukraine. We, we're allowed ourselves to be one of the weakest countries on the planet. We, who is going to protect the weak and the vulnerable in this world? It's the United States, but we're losing that. And if we don't get it back, we're in big, big trouble. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier when I introduced you, Bob, in a way, the, um, you guys really appeared on the map. I mean, you've been a successful food company forever, forever. I mean, mil- billions of dollars. But uh, the whole Trump relationship, and I just said moments ago, got to get Trump back. And, in fact, Trump is going to be on this show, Bob, Wednesday morning, giving me 15 minutes at 8.05 on Wednesday morning. And uh, I am supporting him in a big way, in a big way. Are you guys uh, still good? Is it still Trump and Goya? Is he your candidate for 2024? You know, uh, I admire he, – he is, uh, I believe, the only person that, that can bring this country back. Uh, we have great governors. I, I think the states are the firewall between communism and, and, and democracy. DeSantis is great, but we need strong governors. If everything goes to the central government, you know, we have a dictatorship. And we need Donald Trump in the White House, and we need strong governors, you know, to take this country back. There's the answer I was looking for. Bob Unanwe, I love this guy. So so on a day like today, Cinco de Mayo, and, of course, he made this day famous two years and years ago when he was eating the Taco Bowl. You remember that. By the way, you know, but when he first, you know, uh, opened up his campaign, and he said all the things he said about the Mexicans. Oh, they're sending over drug dealers and rapists and murderers. And he goes, and I'm sure there's a couple of good people. But he did. He did. And I love the guy. And I'm endorsing him. He's coming on on Wednesday. But he did kind of beat up the Mexican people that day, whether he wants to admit it or not. Clearly, you, you weren't insulted. Clearly. Well, you know, it, it, that's, that, that might have been a mistake of, of, of verbiage. Because he wasn't talking about the Mexican people. He wasn't talking about all the people, you know, the good people on on this earth. He was talking about the people that are taking advantage, the cartels. Drugs, uh, trafficking, the two, the the other is is arms trade. The three most prolific and largest uh, businesses on the planet, and it's all evil. He was talking about that. And people have come over this border, not from Mexico. And there are good people coming over to work and to contribute, but the people that are coming over to do harm, and a lot of them are victimized. You know, the people uh, have their life savings to come into this country for an opportunity. Those aren't the people he's talking about. He's talking about the people who are taking advantage uh, listen, of. I, I, I agree. Cartels. I agree. We both know that. But but what you say does matter. And every once in a while, it does come to bite our friend in the ass. And what he meant to say and what he said were two different things. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think Trump uh, has any issue. But the way it came across that day, it certainly sounded that way. And he's got to be careful uh, moving forward to stay away from stuff like that because it's well, hard it's really to the right your place. Actions speak. It's not faith. It's your acts. 
It's your actions. I agree. So his actions never uh, were parallel with what he was saying. What he was saying might have been uh, misunderstood or, or missaid, yeah. but his actions never, never uh, showed that he was, uh, you know, it was against. Totally agree. He took action against the cartels and yes. against protecting the children. Protect, he, he didn't have ca- children in cages. No, not that, at all. That was uh, previously to that. That was Obama, correct. Yeah. yeah. No, no, he didn't do any of that. Right. right. You know, he, again, he was, he was a tremendous president, tremendous, not good. His policies were spectacular, and that's why, why would I vote in Juan DeSantis when all he's going to do is basically do what Trump did? I'd rather have the guy that did it already. They were his ideas in the first place. That's why I'm Trump and not DeSantis. So on the way out here, again, what um, – what do you guys do? I know I got Fernando here today making me some chicken, the whole station chicken, to celebrate at 925. But what else does Goya do specifically, Bob, on this special Cinco de Mayo day? Well, you know, we're we're trying to uh, bring the Spanish Latin cuisine into every household in America because it's so flavorful and nutritious. You know, beans are very nutritious. So we just want to raise awareness. And we're, I'm so thankful for all the people uh, who have, you know, joined and supported us and, and, and try our products. You know, many people <laughs> a couple of years ago didn't even know what Goya was, but now they're trying our product, they're, they're, they're liking it. And uh, so, you know, and it's, it's nutritious. With, with the price of protein, bean, beef, and all that going up, you know, beans have protein, fiber, antioxidants, phytonutrients. You combine with rice, you get a complete protein. So, it's it's part of the daily diet in the Latino community, and it's hopefully part of the diet in, in our general community. I eat it all the time. I love Mexican food. I got a place named Elbez in Battery Park City. I'm good for Chipotle a couple times a week. I've got Goya beans, uh, cans and cans of it inside my house. So uh, I'm uh, I'm almost Mexican anyway. So it's my day today. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Ole. I, I, Ole. I love having you on, man. I, I mean it. Your company is great, and the stuff you do, Bob. Also, like I talked about with human trafficking and young girls, is just incredible. You're you're a great businessman, but an even better soul. So enjoy your Cinco de Mayo. Thank you for coming on. Keep coming back, and God bless you. God bless your success, and I love you. You're the best. I love you, too. Thank you. Bob Inunway, the CEO of Goya Foods, does a terrific job. That is a great company, folks, a great company. Talk Radio 77 WABC. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Yep, everybody's working for the weekend. Rob Astorino works on the weekends, actually, has a great show. Great 4 o'clock every Saturday afternoon, right before our friend Vinny Madunio. Rob, I must say, who's had success in politics, Westchester County executive, ran a great race against Cuomo years ago for governor. 
And just did a really outstanding job, albeit a loss to Lee Zeldin. He, along with Andrew, Andrew Giuliani, did a terrific job. Harry Wilson, not so much. (laughs) But uh, Rob did a great job in his run for governor. And uh, now, again, there's a big show here. And it's joining me. It is a big, big show, right? Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like it's a big show? I don't. You don't. No, it's a big show. It's a a Saturday afternoon show. See, here's the thing with you. You're a um, a very good talker. You've done radio and TV before. Yeah. You're very good at it. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, young guy, handsome guy. You like sports. And you believe you should have more. You, the one-hour show, you, you think, and you're probably right. I, I'm not going to knock you at all. I think you're great. But you think you deserve more. Like, you think you should have this show. Be honest. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. I'll do the nine. <laughs> See, I, I, but I love that about you. Every radio host should feel the same way. Yeah, of course. Absol- what are you doing here? Yeah. It, yeah. And that, that moxie comes across. Now, some say, oh, they hate me. A narcissist. <laughs> Idiotic. Yeah. Now, the guys who are like that get the big ratings. Right. The guys who almost apologize for being on the air, they're nice, they're sweet, they're vanilla. Nobody gives a Nobody crap. cares. Right. No, you got to be opinionated. you got to be passionate. you got to be fun. You almost got to be a dick. You do. It's like the president, right? Right, right. Right. I mean, how can you be a nice guy? Nobody can get to that level by being nice. Right. And then when you're there, you you got Putin, you got yeah. the guy in North Korea, you got China. You have a nice guy deal with those maniacs? No, no you need a psycho. And by the way, I you know, I listen to you a lot, of course. Yeah. And I, I know does. you lo- of course, and I know you love Howard Stern. Love I'm so done with Stern. Yeah, you're like everybody else. No, you know, know what? I I've, I've listened to Stern since the 80s yeah. in high school. Yeah. H-O-W-A-R-D-S-T-E-R-N. He was funny then. Yeah. He was funny up until maybe 10 years ago. No, he's Not, probably he, even five he, years ago. He's still very funny. You know, he, even this week he made me laugh. He's a great interviewer. The best in the business. He's terrific. Yeah. However, I just I think he's mailing it in. Robin's mailing it in. And the whole political thing. I don't want to listen to him tell me I'm an a-hole because I'm conservative. And I'm sick of that. That's fair. Look, he actually wanted Trump supporters to die. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, he goes over the line. Of course. Uh, and he's still wearing his mask, probably. Uh, no, he's Stern. out of that. Well, yeah. I, I bet I, he does. But I just don't care. Like, I was in a room with, who was I with the other day? And I said, if this person walked into this restaurant, would you? who would the one person be that you would hit? Oh, it's Frank Catania, Housewives of New Jersey. And he said, Robert De Niro. And I said, that he goes, yeah, the way he talks about like you just yeah. said. I don't care. I said, De Niro comes out this week with a new movie with Joe Pesci. And Scorsese makes it. I'll be the first I'm, I'm gonna watch it. No, I'm I don't gonna watch care. It. But that's the difference between us. I can, I can actually like them as entertainers, even though they hate me. No, that's not the And difference. they won't do the same thing. No, no. Well, well, yes. But the difference between you and I is I'm adult enough to separate the two. Yeah. And you're a child. Well, you just you, you get angry and mad. I'm not going to listen to Howard Stern, and no, even though he's the best, he's times. the best. Yeah, but I I just think he's not fu- he's mailing it in at this point. Robin is useless to the show. She's always been useless. Uh, yeah, but I think at one point she was fun. She was a <laughs> oh, good she's, crush. She's a what, nice lady. I like her, but yeah. she's useless at you this know, point. There, that's why when they put uh, the, the, they they want it for a little while, they considered putting somebody else in here with me. God rest Bernie's soul. He and I were great friends. Okay, but you want to do this yourself? The ratings have doubled, but right. it has nothing to do with that. You don't just to put somebody in to have somebody there. Right. You know, to me, she's like a crutch almost yeah, at she times. Is. Right? She's not funny. No. She's not funny. But he is still. He can still be funny at times. Are you funny? Like if I put, I mean, this yeah. if I put Rob Asterino on, on a Saturday, which I've done, are you funny? I can be funny, sure. But what, is, what do you really want to be? You want, you want to be a credible political guy? No, I, I, I want to I wanna just kind of tell, at this point in my life, mid-50s, 
I just want to tell it like it is. I'm in the battle now because we are in a battle in this country. And I want to be on the right side because I'm so – You are on the right side. Uh, no, You're I know. You're a Republican. Yes, and I want to be – I want to – historically, because this country is going to hell. Well, you say quickly. the country. Could we even start before we get to the country? In New York. With our own city and state? Yeah, well, no, I'll, they're, they're kind of gone. I mean, Kathy Hochul comes out yesterday, and maybe you're sensitive to Jordan Neely's death. That's fine. Maybe you want more information. Maybe you really do think this guy committed murder. I don't care. But how can the governor come out and be that strong in her support for Neely and, and that nasty to, to a guy on a train who tried to help out other New Yorkers? Well, because she has zero clue what's going on in the city. She could care less, by the way, and she's playing to the left. AOC, I would love AOC to be on the subway car by herself at night when some wackadoo deranged comes towards her and see what she does see if she'd like to have a white marine help her out or no she's going to deal with this herself she's full of crap and you know she's full of crap of course she is uh the worst of all yeah now eric adams on the other hand god spoke to him you know he did did you he, he said god spoke to him 30 years ago and told him he was going to be mayor i did hear that part. yes yes, yes. <laughs> well well, God was right. God was right. God's, God's never, never wrong. wrong is right. right? I mean, it would be one thing if Eric Adams said that and he was working here. But he is the mayor. So <laughs> there must be something true to that. Um, yeah, so the city is, I believe, it's crawling, crawling on its way back. Yeah. Crawling. But it would, uh, it would anyway, no matter who the mayor is, the city would crawl back, despite getting beaten over the head by a mayor or city hall like it did with de Blasio or a governor who hates this state. It, this city is resilient enough to crawl back at least. Now, when you say it would with anybody, you know, one name always pops up. And I love this guy. I do. But the idea that Rudy Giuliani, yeah. the greatest mayor, the greatest politician in the history of my lifetime, 56 years, would walk in tomorrow and things would get better dramatically quicker than what Eric has done. I'm not even sure I buy that. It's Why? so bad. Because it's so bad. Well, it's, it's systemically bad now. Yes. Yeah. No, they, and they, Albany's a mess. Yeah. And, it, you know, Rudy's a tough guy. He'd say, F you. And guess what? But Andrew Stewart Cousins and Carl Heaston would say, no, F you. No, but you know what? Because when I was county executive, not to put equivalency of a governor or a president, but you run things. You run the day-to-day. You run every department. You tell them what to do, and they do it. And that's how policies get changed. The legislature, yeah, they can control money. But at the end of the day, the executive makes decisions that move the ball. So, so yeah, Rudy could come in here and, and tell his social services department, you do this. Tell us, police department, you do that. And they do it, and things get better. So if that's the case, and you know better than me, and that's why I love to bring people like you on, if that's the case, then there is some dereliction of duty with Eric Adams. No question. Stop talking about it and do it. Right. Stop saying the federal government and say Biden. Biden Biden is in charge. Biden can close the border tomorrow. He's not. He's not. And like Bob Unanaway just said, it's going to get awful. On on May 12th. Yeah. Just watch how many come. I mean, it's going to be caravan after caravan after caravan. Are you younger than me? I think 50, so. I just turned 56 on Wednesday. Is that right? Yeah. But we both look great. And I, we do. Uh, you better than me. <laughs> and I just turned 56 three weeks ago, April 19th. Uh, oh, Same we age. both Taurus? Yeah. No, no. I'm the last day of Aries. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because Taurus, you know, we're, we're bull. We're full yes. of bull. The next day. You should April. be. You should be a Taurus. Well, I mean, uh, I'd rather not be a Taurus because you've got, got, got that in common with Adolf Hitler, who, of course, oh, April yeah, well, 20th. Yes. Yeah, so. Destroyed a mustache <laughs> style forever. <laughs> he really did, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, I asked you that question because so many people about our age, they're not a long time now, almost six decades, yeah. are quick to say that Biden is clearly the worst president in their lifetime. Jimmy Carter was horrendous, but this guy's worse. 
Would you go there? Uh, yeah. You don't have but to. all the seeds were sown by Obama. All oh. the crap we're dealing with right now, this environmental, social governance, this, social, this equity nonsense. Why did you use the but, word war zone? Because you do realize that Obama is still very active in the Biden administration yeah, today. But he, but Obama be, made this country racially divided purposely, okay, in a second term especially. So everything we're dealing with now is because Obama planted those seeds. The garden is now looking beautiful for Biden and, and the socialists and the leftists. That's that's what we're dealing with. Have you gone on a Saturday yet and announced uh, your endorsement or you not forget my endorsement, who you prefer at this point, Trump, DeSantis or anybody else? No, you I, don't I, care. I think a Republican. Well, here's how I'll put it. I think any Republican can beat Biden. The only one that may not be able to be is Trump. Is Trump. Yeah. No, and, and, and not that I wouldn't want him there. It's the same thing the other way around. Like Biden, they won't even run him if yeah. Trump doesn't win the primary. Look, all this crap coming out now on the Bidens, the FBI stuff, who do you think's doing that? That's coming from the Democrats, I think, eventually. Because they want him out so bad. Uh, well, I mean, they, they can control him, and they do, because he doesn't know what day it is. But they think he's the only one that can lose. And if it's not Trump, he will, no, he will but get they, blown out. They believe he's the only one that can beat Trump. And they see Trump is winning in the polls, so then why would they sabotage well, their one shot at beating Trump? Probably any – look, if you've got an undecided voter, they're going to hate Trump more than they hate Biden, right? That's yeah. probably what's going to happen. Take a woman, and especially if he gets this – he loses this this case. And he was coming on my show Saturday, a very good friend of mine, Joe Tacopino. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> is he coming on? No. Oh. no. Uh, listen, Tacopino's getting He's beat great. up a little bit. Yeah, but – Look, if Trump loses this this civil case, then yeah. he's going to be brand the rapist. And good luck trying to get suburban women who don't like Donald Trump but really don't think things are going well. That's that's the problem that we face, even though I love Trump. Yeah, but the bigger problem is when you consider that Aaron Rodgers is now a New York Jet. <laughs> you, and of course, he's going to be 39 and he's going to show I'm, it I'm this year. Is. Uh, and, of course, you've got the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. Yeah, who, who wasn't problem. that great. He wasn't, but good enough, to, again, to make it to nearly the championship game. Yeah. Uh, the bigger problem is your team. The Dolphins. Yes. Uh, who I like. Good football team. Great wide receiving core. A lot of promise. They've got a quarterback who's about to spend the rest of his life like eating meat with a straw. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's pudding time. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, and and two was a nice player. Yeah. But how, how can you consider the Dolphins I, even a threat with the Jets and Bills oh, when your quarterback's it. not going to play? Uh, no, but he's going to play. No, he's not. He, he never will does. Play. He, he will never play. does, Rob. Mike White's going to come in as the, as uh, the Mike backup. White's what, then if you're the Dolphins, would you go out there and try to grab Tom Brady? No. I'm done really? with Brady. You're I'm, done come with on. Brady. Brady's 45 years old. He looks it. He had a horrible season. Yeah. Yeah, I'm finished with that. You're done with him. I'm done with him. Yeah. I, but I think, I think it's going to be a great AFC East. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to look like a 39-year-old. Watch. Well, you hope it's so. the, Well, I do. But it's the Jets' anti-magic. It's the Jets' curse. He's going to go in there. He's going to crap the bed. Yeah. But he's going to have two great games next year, obviously, against the Dolphins. Both of those. Right, right. <laughs> well, hey, man, it's great to see yeah, you. Yeah, good to see you. You ran a great race. Thank you. You were great during that time with me and Bernie. And your show on Saturdays is great. 4 p.m. every Saturday. The very smart, handsome, and entertaining Rob Astorino. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Sid. Keep up the good work, Rob Astorino, 4 p.m. on Saturdays. we got a very busy 9 o'clock hour as well. Last hour of the week, sitting friends in the morning. Coming your way. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. 
Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. sent me this story. There's been a giant penis mowed into the lawn at King Charles Coronation Party location. Isn't that great? <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I mean, they've actually you see the picture? mowed a giant. Yeah, Ava sent me the picture. It's huge. Yeah. God. It's like um, Herb Williams, the former center of the New York Knicks. I told this story in both of my books and <laughs> tell it all the time that I had to be physically removed from the Nick locker room because I stared yeah. <laughs> at a naked Herb Williams for minutes, not because I was sexually excited. I'm as I'm the as heterosexual as it comes. Believe me, I love my lady. Oh, whoa. But I was so astounded by how big and beautiful his penis was. <laughs> I've told this story to Mike Breen. I'm like, you know, we talk about basketball, but I've never seen this guy's band. Why do you have to say big and beautiful, though? Because it was both of those things. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Like looking at Dirk Diggler. Kind of like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe better. I'm a star. That was like the only day I really wanted to kill myself. Well, that's not true. I actually tried twice, but <laughs> oh, God. not of, to make fun of suicide. But... Because of looking at his penis. Oh, when I saw his penis, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm not, right. I'm like, not worthy of this. Yeah. Why, what am I even on the planet Barris for? to go yeah. home. Yeah. It's like, it's like Danielle, Barris. in the old days, you know, before Lisa Olsen and Zeke Mowat, Women used to be allowed to come down to locker room. So I'm in Miami in the early 2000s, mid 2000s, and it's right before LeBron came. Miami was still great. They had Alonzo Mourning, Tim Hardaway, and this great rivalry against the Knicks. So I take Danielle, gorgeous, to the game, and I get her a press pass. Back then it was, you could do that, you know. And the game ends, and I got to go downstairs. I have to interview Alonzo Mourning for the Heat and Dennis Rodman for the Bulls. <laughs> So I get Danielle with me, and we're walking in the locker room, and we're in between the Bulls and the Heat locker room, and there's a door open. We walk past the Bulls locker room, walking towards the Heat locker room, there's a door open. Wide open. Door's wide open. And laying right there, Bulls ass naked, on a table, getting stretched and rubbed down, Michael Jordan. All naked. All naked. And Danielle sees it. And I remember the first thing I said to her was... How did it go that night? <laughs> well, I said to her, I go, are you still coming home with me? I swear to God I said that. I go, are you still coming home with me? Now, let me tell you, it's impressive. And Michael's body back then was sick. It was, like, all, like, toned and muscular. He's the perfect size, 6'6". Six, six. Oh, perfect. But even he could not compete with Herb Williams. My man Herb had a 
I, I don't know. Why, garden hose doesn't even explain it. I mean, my man got a because it's got girthy yeah. too. You know, girth and everything. I'm That's lengthy. why he didn't want to come to the Knicks. Like I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not looking at that every day. No, I'm not looking at that. No. Kind of tennis balls. Huh? So if the uh, <laughs> if the one on the lawn for King Charles is like Herb Williams, that's a big pee pee right there. You better check Danielle's uh, computer history. Like you see, like Herb Williams. <laughs> but my like, daughter, like get, my, my daughter gets oh. mad because she goes to college in Wales. <laughs> which, again, at the sake of repetition, is less than a two-hour train ride from London, and she spends a lot of time in London. By the way, so do me and Danielle spend a lot of time in London, and she loves all this stuff, the king, the queen, the Buckingham Palace. And and for years, I spent my life killing it, me and Bernard, God rest his soul. I used to fight with Juliet Huddy all the time, like, shut up, God, end up with the royals. And now I'm completely into it. Like, I'll tell you how, you know, this is going to be the third time the third time in two days, I'm going to play Donald Trump. Not talking about Biden. Not talking about DeSantis. Not talking about this rape charge. None of it. I'm going to play Donald Trump talking about Meghan Markle. <laughs> Swear to God, cut number 14. But somebody else who's not coming, of course, is Meghan. Meghan is not coming. Harry's coming. We understand it's a complete in out like within two hours after the service he'll be gone but i kind of think i kind of think maybe we're better off without megan coming well i think that uh she has been very disrespectful to the queen frankly even during that time i mean how can you be disrespectful to the queen the queen was incredible for years for decades and decades she never made a mistake think of it with all of the people that you watch them and you see they make lots of mistakes if they're famous people or not famous mm. people. But I don't know. I can never think of a mistake nope. that she made. She was never controversial. When I was with her, I tell the story. They said, who was your favorite president? Oh, they were all great. They were all great. I said, who? But did you like Ronald Reagan the best? Oh, I liked them all very much. What about Richard Nixon? Oh, I thought he was wonderful. Then I said, who was your favorite prime minister? And she said, uh, just fabulous people, every one of them. But wasn't it Winston Churchill? Oh, I liked him very much. And I'm saying to myself, you know, this is so smart because there's like yeah. no controversy. Yeah. She went through years and years and decades without controversy and just did a great job. You cannot be disrespectful to her. And I think Megan was very disrespectful to her. Donald Trump. And again, uh, King Charles the Third coronation comes your way tomorrow. Can't miss television. What time does it start, Justin? Because the Knicks and the Heat are on at 3.30. I can't be watching King Charles instead no, of the Knicks. No, absolutely not. What time is the coronation? Um, the King's coronation. Well, if my uh, memory serves me right. You have no idea. Um, it's uh, tomorrow. That'll be May 6th. <laughs> stalling. Um, I'm time, stalling. Uh, Come on, I can get to Fernando. It'll be um, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. Mm, and right. I don't know if that's Eastern or London time, so you're just going to have to take a guess. Well, London is five hours ahead. Right, so, so that'd be 4 p.m. Be... No, it'll be 11 a.m. Right. Eastern time. Right. Lewis, you going to watch? Let's see. No. <laughs> yeah. Johnny Tobacco checks in. Uh, what does he say here? He says, as usual, Sid, you're spot on. You got to be a dick to be number one. Clearly, that's why you're number one. We're right. Is that on. a compliment? Spot on. I don't think that's a compliment, is it? Yeah, it's a compliment. He says you're the best in the business, brother. But he did call you a dick. <laughs> he did. Anyway, I love and Johnny. Not her Williams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, not as big as that. He didn't no, say that. No, not that big. All right. Stephanie, you want to come in here? Come on in, uh, Stephanie. Buongiorno. 
very Italian. She's taking photos because today is Cinco de Mayo. We've had two guests on celebrating this wonderful day already. John Katzmatidis, he was great, and Babu Nanwe. But a tradition on the Sid Rosenberg show to, to bring on Babu Nanwe and the chef, everybody's favorite chef, Fernando Desa. I actually met a great chef two nights ago. His name is Frank Becker, and uh, he opened Catch, and now he's got a new place called the uh, the Press Club Grill at Madison Square Garden. I'm also friendly with Chef David Burke. You know David, New Jersey, and uh, the the, uh, River Cafe. But you, my friend Fernando, you are the Latin king, the Latin king chef. And uh, every year you come in, you make the food, and it's always great. So good to see you. Oh, good to see you too. And always great to be here, uh, bring, you know, delicious recipes using our products. And, you know, Cinco de Mayo is big, so what better than, you know, nice uh, adobo chicken tostada with a lot of flavor. I'm going to eat all three of those. I know you know. I know you like uh, Mexican uh, Mexican food, and you have a regular, you know, regular restaurant you go to. But this is this is a different level with five or six layers of flavor, which is amazing. And but these these are all Goya products, this right? Is, this is all Goya so products. Give, give me some of the Goya products. So, for example, you know the chicken. You know we marinate with adobo, lemon juice, garlic, sazon. Yesterday, this morning before I came here, I grilled the chicken breast, and you know let it rest, dice, and everything else. Then. You know, the refried beans, we use our Goya beans, and we add some piloncillo, which is cane sugar. Nice. Uh, to add more flavor or sweetness to the beans. Then after that, we did the sauce, which is a chipotle aioli, using our chipotles in adobo sauce, Goya mayo, of course, our extra virgin olive oil, best in the market, and adobo. And then uh, we did a mole sauce with our sweet plantains, oh, ready I love to mole. eat. Yeah. It's good. So, yeah. listen, it's just. It's just flavor on top of flavor. We can, you know, and then t- to the end, we ended up with um, in our um, jalapenos. Oh, I love you know, pickle slice, yes. nacho jalapenos are so good. You know um, what I do like, Fernando, is I like it, uh, the chocolate mole sauce. Yeah. Sometimes it gets a little too sweet, so I'll, I'll be like halfway through the burrito, the enchilada, I get a little nauseous. But I do like chocolate mole. You like that? Yes, chocolate mole, I mean, with nuts. I usually like to put uh, some, some almonds myself and peanuts and, you know, and then I like the sweet plantain because they give it a different texture to the mole, a little bit more uh, thicker, you know, consistency to the mole. So you know so, your stuff. But they don't make stuff like that. Like if I go to, I don't know about Big Coach, Chipotle happens to be fast food Mexican. But even the place by me, which I go to, which is called Elvez, it's yes. uh, on it, Elvis Presley by Battery Park. They don't make stuff like this. They don't make a, a chocolate mole. They don't make what you made for me here this morning. Why not? Why is it? It's the same thing. You want three tacos, an enchilada, an enchilada and a burrito, and that's it. Listen, it's, I, like I always said, it's always easy when you have 2,700 products, you know, in, in, a, in your warehouse. <laughs> is and that what you've got? You, yeah, well, over 2,700 products that you can play with them and, you know, learn how they behave in food. And that's what we do every day. You know, we create new products and with an authentic Latin flavor, like Bob said uh, previously, and um, we just like to add flavor to the food. We want people to duplicate these recipes at home, going to our website, which is Goya.com. And that's what we do. You know, we like to add flavor on top of flavor. And what else? Like, you know, using, you know, 10, 15 products in, in one dish. I always felt bad for you because this is a big party day, Cinco yes. de Mayo, right? Yes. We eat all day. We drink margaritas. We have sex with strangers, all that good stuff. Uh, but it feels like with you, all you do is work. Like I think last year, if I remember correctly, yeah. you cooked here, then went to Dallas. Yes, is yes, that yes. right? Yeah, yeah we had. How about a, that yeah. from memory, huh? Yeah. Oh, you're good. Uh, yeah, we had a we had a, a food conference down there in Dallas. I mean, last week I was in San Antonio. The day before I was in Houston. The day before Miami, Boston. Wow. So we we go. You know, we travel a lot, and it's to expand. You know, the knowledge for people. You know, use our products, cook at home, cook healthy, cook with a lot of flavors, a song, 
uh, a home, and, you know, we make it easy. And look who's outside right there. He smelled it. Oh, my God. You can't get the smell past John Katsimatidis. He's he so, smelled it. He, he said, oh, 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 he loves this day. He loves it. He's his favorite. We do stuff for the Jews, for the mm. Irish, you name it. But he loves this particular day because just by nature, it's a very celebratory day. Just yeah, I mean, a, a taco or, or, or you know, um, a, a tostada, you know, no good nachos with, you know, with a lot of flavoring and a good margarita. It's just perfect. Perfect. Really. Now, you were trained, if I remember correctly, because I'm pretty good with you. Yeah. Johnson & Wales? I went to Johnson & Wales. Yeah, I graduated in 2000. Then I worked in different resorts, like the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia, other restaurants all around the world. And then, you know, I've been with Goya for 16 years. Wow. I'm the executive chef and product development manager, so I work in the development of the products and also, you know, with the recipes and the conference and the competitions, everything else. So Bob is such a great guy, and he's a brilliant guy, too. Yes. It's not just about food. I mean, he could tell you about world affairs. Yeah. We had a great discussion about Mexico and Title 42 earlier today, and clearly he loves you. Yeah. He's given you this huge responsibility now going on 16 years. So you guys are obviously very close. Yeah, he's a, he's a, you know, he's, he's a big boss. You know, he's the best ever. I mean, he's, he's always make you feel, you know, like you're – you know, you you know your thing, and you know, you know, he's he's just a great person. You know, he knows what he's doing. You know, the company's growing. Um, always think about next step, and that's what we do. And similar to what we're thinking, next step in food. So he's a great guy. He loves food. Let's make it easier too. Right. <laughs> and uh, you know, he's the best. So on the way out, one more time. I know you mentioned tacos, margaritos, but for everyday folks like me, mm-hmm. who may not even be uh, Latino, but yep. they really want to celebrate this day, and they're going to go to some Mexican restaurant. You, uh, your recommendation, your suggestion to eat, to drink is what? So you, you cover all the bases. So like today, uh, yes, that's what we did. But today, you know, last year, I don't know if you remember, but I did the fish tacos with the peach salsa. Delicious. Uh, so this year we wanted to do a crunchy tostada. It's a different, it's a similar, it's like a taco, but it's, you know, flat, crunchy. Um, I just, you know, wanted to bring some different flavors in. Still the chipotle, still the jalapenos, mole is a twist with the sweet plantains. So, yeah, go go out, have fun, have a good drink, have good food, have a good time, have a good Cinco de Mayo. The last thing yes. that we always get at a Mexican restaurant, there's always a fight in the Rosenberg household, always, at the restaurant, I should say. Yes. Because my wife loves the tres leches, and my kids love the churros. Sure. <laughs> I like the churros because I like dipping stuff into the chocolate, chocolate sauce. sauce yeah. <laughs> What's a better dessert, tres leches? Or churros? Uh, you know, it's a tough question. Tough. I think it was my, you know, my favorite kid. You know, I, I just I love them all. So I, I like both dessert. And, but the tray lettuce has to be moist because it's, if it's if it's too dry, it's no good. Yeah, but you know what? Then you have a crunchy and and, and you have a crunchy on, on the churro and the sweetness on the of the sauce. Oh, you do cho- it together. Yeah, I like to. I actually like oh. both. I order. I order both. Got a bite of the churros. Got a bit of leche. Everybody's happy in the table. You guys can enjoy Cinco Mayo with a good, you know, good food, good margarita, and you ended up the dinner with a bang. So tonight with a bang, I like that. Yeah. So tonight, literally, we're going to order both, and Go then I'm going to call you tomorrow. Yes. And tell you how it went. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> let's, let's do that. It's great to see you. Same here. You, you're on, Mike. I do want one. Yes. You are great at what you do. We take a bite of these on the air once before. And if I start to choke to death because this is hot. This is the, uh, the, the jalapeno. Which I have mm-hmm. to eat some. Nobody's going to save you. Oh, my God. Oh! You oh, oh, oh. break. It's crunchy. Oh, oh. Nice good, done. right? Well done. Oh. I got guacamole all over my face. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's disgusting. This is just, oh, my God. Give me a napkin. Oh, I got one. Yeah, they're right there. That is delicious. Thank what you. is that called again? It's a chick, adobo, adobo chicken tostadas. 
So chicken tostada. It's Come crunchy. in here. Have one of these. Have one of these. It's a crunchy, oh, you know, it's so our, our, our corn tortillas. We just fry them to nice and crunchy. And then you top it up with whatever you want. In this case, we did uh, the double chicken. So really good. good. Fernando, Thank so you. good. God Thank bless you. you. You are a very talented guy, bro. Thank you. Very Thank talented. You. Appreciate it. Happy Cinco de Mayo, folks. We're going to eat, and then we'll come back when it's these words. WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Oh, I saw what you did here. This thing was so good. I'm having my second one. And I feel fat today, too. i got to be honest. What on my T-shirt? I think I have a, a little, not a lot, but like a little. No? It's not a good day to be concerned about that. Yeah, I shouldn't care, right? Just don't care, right? This is too, it's too good. Well, doesn't look like Johnny Tobacco is a big fan of Rob Astorino, according to this last text I just got. I love it when people fight with each other. I don't know why. My next guest is as big as it gets in the thoroughbred business, whether it's calling the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, or the Belmonte. He's done like the last 40 years, 40, 35, whatever, with all three of them. He's the man. This time of year, he's the man. And with tomorrow's Kentucky Derby, at least on this show, a big deal, nobody better than Dick Girardi. Here he is, Dick Girardi. Good morning, Dick. How are you? I'm great, Sid. How about you? I'm great. So I don't know if Jimmy Shapiro told you this, but uh, Vinny Viola is not just a good friend. He's a dear, dear friend. And again, for folks who don't know, he happens to own the Florida Panther hockey team, which last night beat Toronto again. Grew up in Brooklyn. He's a billionaire, was a Ranger fan, now owns the Panthers, who are two wins away from the Eastern Conference. And in your game... He owns the odds-on favorite, the 15-horse Forte. Him and the other guy, Mike, also a very wealthy guy out of Middle Village. The 5-2 to two favorite tomorrow. So how about Vinny Viola, Dick Girardi? Yeah, the West Point grad. Uh, is a good friend of mine, uh, Terry Finley, knows, uh, knows Vinny very well. Terry owns a lot of horses, including him, part of Flightline, the great horse from last year. So, yeah, now I know Vinny. And, yeah, what a run he's on his hockey team up to over the Beliefs after beating the Bruins. And, as you said, Forte, clearly the favorite for tomorrow's Derby. So, yeah, Benny's having a time of his life. He is. But we have these conversations. The fact he's on the way to uh, Louisville right now, I believe, with his family. But we've had these conversations before, Dick. We go into these races, and uh, Forte is a pretty big favorite here. I mean, I know the, you know, the uh, Tappet uh, horses uh, like six to one. So pretty prohibitive favorite here. We're talking about Forte. 
uh, from the morning uh, warm-ups and the rest of the horse is done, is he really that much better than the rest of the field? Well, he's definitely more accomplished. Sid. Uh, you know, how much better he is, obviously, we'll find out tomorrow around 7 o'clock. But he's 13-4 he's to 4 on the on the bet online, uh, which is essentially 3-1. to 1. That's what they have as the morning line. Uh, Churchill and the betters will determine it in the end. But, look, he should be the favorite. I mean, he's won four grade ones. He's a two-year-old champ. He's won five in a row. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's obviously the favorite. My issue with him is, I don't know that he's any better than he was six months ago at the Breeders' Cup, and some of these other three-year-olds seem to have caught up to him at this point. So that's really the issue, is is because Forte's going to have to take a jump forward yeah. to win the Derby tomorrow. It's not this is not the Florida Derby. This is the Kentucky Derby. Right. And talking about the Kentucky Derby of the great Dick Girardi, we know that Todd Pletcher has had amazing success, more horses in the Derby than any other trainer. He's got two wins in the race. But, uh, and listen, he wins all these other races too, right? Uh, but he's got maybe his best field yet in tomorrow's Kentucky Derby. So could we basically call Todd Pletcher, the trainer, a winner at this point? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if he's going to win the race tomorrow, but he's definitely a winner. He's one of the best in the history of the sport. And to your point, Sid, this year, and you said he's brought 62 horses, He's got the three horses that won the three of the six biggest prep races around. He's got the Louisiana Derby winner, Kings Barnes. You mentioned Tappet Trice, who won the Bluegrass. And, of course, he has Forte, who won the Florida Derby. And it's interesting. Some people say, well, Tat's had 62 horses, only won twice. But another way to look at that, he's been in 22 derbies, right? He's had multiple horses in a lot of them. And the best way to look at it is Todd Fletcher has had one derby favorite that was always dreaming in 2017, and he won. So it's not like he's been losing with a lot of six-to-five shots here. And right. I do think Forte's the most accomplished horse he's ever brought to the dirt. Let's stick with the trainers. you got Brad Cox, another big winner, over 2,000 wins the last decade. He's got four horses going tomorrow, including a horse that won the Arkansas Derby that Curtis Sliwa likes very much, Angel of Empire, being Curtis, of course, started the Guardian Angels. Angel of Empire running tomorrow. Brad Cox, another trainer. you got to take a good look at his horses tomorrow, too. Yeah, you do. He actually won the Derby with an asterisk two years ago, right? He had Mandalone that right. ran second, and it became the eventual winner when Medina Spirit was disqualified, although they still don't have their money because it's held up in court, and who knows when that's going to get settled. But, yeah, Cox has four, and you definitely mentioned that the best of the four is Angel of Empire, Arkansas Derby winner. He's actually a Pennsylvania bred. He was bred out in the middle of the state trying to become the third PA bred ever to win first since, of course, the great Smarty Jones back in 04. But of Cox's four, I think Angel of Empire is the best one. And he's got Flavian Pratt, who is my favorite big money rider in the country. It's funny. I uh, I get some of these topics, you know, from you and Jimmy before because I know the sport pretty well, but not nearly like you. And the truth is, I'm one of those, you know, big race guys, right? Uh, the Florida Derby, the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, the Triple Crown Stakes. I'm not going down to, you know, OTB's out of business, but I'm not going to Monticello this summer. It's a mile from my parents' house. I'm not checking out the action at Bingo Lakes. I'm just not doing it. So when I read something like Japanese horses – have started to win some of the most prestigious races around the world, including two 2021 Breeders' Cup races at Del Mar, as well as this year's $20 million Saudi Cup and $12 million Dubai World Cup. What's going on with the Japanese? 
Yeah, I think they figured it out. I mean, they haven't been in the game for decades, but once they got in it, they started to get some real serious American stallions like the great Sunday Silence, who won the Derby in Precocity oh, yeah. 89. Yep. And over time, Sid, they have developed a phenomenal program. And just in recent years, they've started to become players internationally. You just mentioned the races they've won just in the last couple of years. So Thermos Sotogachi, uh, the 17 horse, is a, a serious contender for the Kentucky Derby. It's the first time the Japanese have had a horse where you could say, you know what, they could actually win this race. And if they can win in Saudi Arabia and they can win in Dubai and they can win the Breeders' Cup, they can win the Derby. So it's not, it's not the only horse. They just they got another horse in here, Mandarin Hero, who just scratched into the race. Uh, they had three last night, but then Continuar came out. So, yeah, I think the 17 Dermot Soto got definitely has a chance. Dick Girardi, and he's coming on this morning. Thanks for the folks at betonline.ag. Check out BetOnline for the most up-to-date odds and props on tomorrow's running of the 149th Kentucky Derby, betonline.ag, with the great Dick Girardi. So, for a lot of folks, Dick, there's one person that kind of brings them to the sport. You can say for many years, Joe Namath was that guy in football, right? Maybe it was Michael Jordan or who knows, a magical Larry Bird in basketball. For me, it was Tiger Woods in golf. And in your sport, the guy that really got me interested was Bob Baffert. seemed like every year the white-haired Bob Baffert had a chance to win the Triple Crown, and he did. He had some, some unbelievable horses. And then Medina Spirit has that issue a couple of years ago. They suspend Bob Baffert. I had forgotten it was a two-year Churchill suspension. I thought he'd be back by now, but no, another Kentucky Derby without Bob Baffert. And I'm going to say this, and I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people, I kind of miss him. I'm with you, and I think most people do. Look, he's the most recognizable name in the sport, and his ban at Churchill ends at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. After this Derby, he can then run horses at their track. He's not banned anywhere else. Uh, he, he was suspended last year for 90 days for that uh, positive for the anti-inflammatory that shouldn't have been in Medina Spirit's uh, system after the Derby. But he's been back and running in California and running all over the country. But yeah, Churchill just got really angry, <laughs> and they said, you're out of here for two years. But that that ends after the Derby tomorrow. Well, thank God. We need him back in the sport. He's, uh, he's great for the sport. Okay, so we know 4-3-15, that's the favorite. Six Horse is up there as well. We've come to that time, Dick Girardi, once again, courtesy of betonline.ag. For my listeners out there ready to go out and bet this race tomorrow, who are the three horses they should bet in any particular order? That's up to you. But who are Dick Girardi's three favorite horses tomorrow? Yeah, my pick at the right price is two fills, uh, Sid. The three horse uh, listed at 12 to 1 at the track, 20 to 1 at BetOnline. Probably be somewhere in the middle of that 15, 16 to 1. Also, like Angel of Empire, the PA bread, and I have nothing bad to say about Benny Viola's horse forte. All he does is run hard every time. So, about a 3, 14, 15 with a 3 on top. 3, 14, 15. Any issue, Dick? Uh, some of my friends go that they really screwed Benny that the 15, not the most ideal post to run from for forte. Is that going to matter tomorrow? Yeah, no issue. And it's interesting. Now with the scratch, um, he's actually moves in one spot that he'll be coming. He'll be number 15, but he'll be out of the 14th post. But now that's really not going to be relevant to anything. And, okay. and it's chaos as soon as the gate opens anyway. Right. When it looked like a good or a bad post might turn out to be the exact. And thing. last year it was a sloppy track. It was rainy. It was muddy. No other issues this year, right? 
No, no issues this year as far as I know. I think we're supposed to be fine down there. The last I heard was that the weather's going to pass like 100 miles from Louisville, so it should be good. All right, perfect. So we'll do this again in uh, two weeks for the Peakness. This is Triple Crown season, a very exciting time, and nobody better, Dick, to talk to than you. Once again, Dick Girardi, courtesy of betonline.ag. Make your bets for tomorrow's Kentucky Derby right there, betonline.ag. As always, Dick Girardi, super job, buddy. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. Appreciate it. You're the man. All right. We'll uh, take a short break. When we get back, we'll go to Nolan, of course. When we get back, I really like this guy. His name is Dave Barry, and I lived in South Florida for many, many years. And Barry is a great writer. Not only is Dave Barry a great writer, Miami Herald, but his wife is a great writer. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Oh my God! Is this Echo and the Bunnymen? Horses? Something? Yes, you're so close. Uh, something wild, not wild horses. Bring, bring on the dancing. Bring on the dancing horses. Yeah, that's very good. We have to a Kentucky Derby discussion. You know, when the number one show in New York was so much better than any other show in this country, it's it's really unbelievable. It really is. I tell you who's great at his job, too, is this guy, Dave Barry. When I was in Florida, I read his stuff all the time. He's brilliant. His wife is great, too. He's got his first novel out in a decade. It's called Swamp Story. This guy's won Pulitzer Prizes. He's had a bunch of bestsellers. Really, really smart guy. Haven't talked to him in many, many years, but he joins me in New York. Last time he joined me was in Miami, which is really a fake place. This is the real deal. The great Dave Barry David, good morning. How are you, buddy? Sid, how are you? Long time, man. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you, too. It has been a long time. But, um, you know, listen, I, I got a lot of emails and texts that said, hey, Sid, if you hate it here so much, I didn't hate it. I loved it, by the way. But I certainly did miss New York. If you hate it here so much, there's I-95 right there north. And be happy to hop on it. And then I would get that because I was always critical of the talent down there, radio, TV. But I will say this about you, Dave Barry. I don't care what city you're in, you're a great writer, very cerebral, but also really, really funny. And this new book, Swamp Story, you find a way, I guess, to make it exciting and dramatic and at the same time include a lot of the stuff that makes South Florida, South Florida, yes? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, there's there's uh, many elements of South Florida. There's You got your snakes, you got your alligators, you got your drunk ex-newspaper man wearing a door of the Explorer head. You got uh, a wild boar urinating on a presidential candidate. In other words, just normal, regular stuff that happens. I hope that presidential candidate is Joe Biden and not Trump. That's just me. I know you feel differently, but that's how I feel. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, though, Sid, like suddenly my my neighborhood, not really suddenly, is in the last couple of years, is completely filling up with New Yorkers. They're They're all doing the opposite of what you did. They're all showing up. No, I know. Listen, the it's gotten rough here. You know, the crime issue here, Dave, and taxes, huge issue, bail reform stuff, the weather sucks, it's dirty. So they moved to Florida for the same reason I moved there in the first place. But I came back because in our field, not your field, you're doing very well, but radio, TV, you can't compare succeeding in Florida to New York. So I did come back. But you're right. When, when you combine the weather and Willie Ron DeSantis, bottom line, you know, Kathy Hochul, not getting it done here. You may like or dislike Ron DeSantis. I don't care. But the poop is in the pudding. People are moving there because 
Taxes, nice weather, and the governor's policies are working. Bottom line. Yeah, it's it, true. And, and the other thing is, even if you don't like the government in Florida, it's basically free because we don't have taxes. The way I always tell people is, well, we may we may sometimes have a corrupt, incompetent government, but we don't pay anything for it. Whereas in New York and California, you have a corrupt, incompetent government that you're paying a lot for. So we're getting a better deal, is See, my feeling. I told you, Dave Barry was smart, and you're exactly right about that. <laughs> you're exa- I'm just curious, how do you feel about the whole Disney thing down there? Oh well, it's it's kind of nuts. I mean, Ron understands he had me. I was I was happy with the way, really happy with the way he handled COVID, and that's really when it had started. All the New Yorkers coming down uh, because the, the effort in Florida was to keep everything open, which and I think in retrospect everybody agrees was was the right way to go. Um, but but I don't. I'm not nuts about the whole. I mean, who. <laughs> If you you go around Florida, you ask people what are, what are you, you know what issues are you most worried about? Nobody's going to say Disney. Um, it's it's kind of like an unnecessary fight. It feels like to me. Do you, do you think he's right to be going after Disney? Oh, one hundred percent. I I don't like woke policy. Now Disney is a is small. You're right compared to the issues not just in Florida but around the country. But those policies, which uh, you know legislators do use and politicians do fight for in my opinion, and you may disagree, is part of the ruination of this country. So it may be a small thing, Disney, but Ron DeSantis is speaking to a much bigger problem. And I don't know how many other problems you've got down in South Florida, Dave. It seems like you guys, it's going pretty well. What other major problems do you have? Well, everybody, okay, the big one everybody keeps talking about is, um, the, you know, climate change. So supposedly we're all going to be underwater, but they keep saying that, and yet every. Everybody keeps buying property right on the water. You know, smart, presumably smart. So I don't know. Maybe you know. me. My feeling is my house. I have. I live in Coral Gables, and my house is is twenty three feet above sea level, which in Florida is really high up in yeah. the air. Yep. So I figure I've got like you know when when there's like marine life in my family room, then I'll I'll move out. But I think I'm I'm good until then. I don't think your wife ever wants to leave either. She's also a great writer. You know, it's funny. Uh, I never really liked soccer. I'm a, it's just not my thing. I'm a Brooklyn kid, New York kid. Uh, yeah, I remember you got into an argument with Michelle about that. Yes, I did. And, and let me tell you something. Here's where I'm more adult than most people, David. I got into an argument with Michelle, and she convinced me I was wrong. Now, look, I'm not going to see every indoor soccer game. And my daughter goes to school in Wales, just so you know. And we go to London all the time. I'm not going to see every Manchester United game. But Michelle was right. She was right. And so to this day, I always bring her up. When I talk about places along my career where I was wrong, your wife, Michelle, is right at the very top. Yeah, see, well, thank you. I'm going to tell her that. And, and uh, yeah, so I love soccer. That was the only sport I know of soccer where a, a player can suffer as many as three career-ending injuries in a single game. It's pretty fantastic. It is pretty good. Plus, you can do a whole bunch of cocaine, like uh, the great Diego Maradona, and score goals and have fun, and no one cares. <laughs> you could appreciate that living in Miami, uh, which uh, not really a story anymore, right? I mean, you know, my our friend Billy Corbin made all those great movies, Cocaine Cowboys, and I guess that was Miami was all about that like forty years ago. But is that drug oh, stereotype still there? It's all different now. We have, it's come, you know, we have a new tourism promotion slogan in Miami. Come back to Miami. We weren't shooting at you. It's a completely different. <laughs> I like that, too. See, he's funny, Dave Barry. I love this guy. See, what you got to do, and maybe you've done this before, I don't know. So if you have to correct me, feel free to do it. I know, like, this last book, Swamp Story, which is going to do great, is fiction. Do you write or have you written 
a lot of real life stuff. Like like Dave Barry writing a book on the Exodus from New York to Florida. Yeah, well, I, I, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called "Best State Ever," and that was part of the the, the book was why do people? You know, why it's it's so weird that you know Florida is the most made fun of state in the union. It is also at the same time the fastest growing state in the union. That was really what I was talking about. You know, why are those people coming down? And and I do say, you know, like we we get this reputation because there's so many stories like you know Florida man does this, Florida man, just people always doing weird, bizarre things in Florida, but. If there are 21 million people in the state, and it's not really fair to judge all 21 million of us just because of the actions of about 19 million of us. <laughs> yeah, true, but like for me, I'm so silly. When I talk about Florida, I'll go as north as, I don't know, maybe Jupiter, maybe Stewart, you know, um, yeah. you know, with, with the Mets play Port St. Lucie. And I'll take that down to about Kendall. So like Sid Rosenberg's Florida, Dave Barry, barely includes like Orlando straight to Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs> Ocala to me is like a different country, uh, but the yeah. truth is, it's a very, very big state. It's huge, and, and like you know, North Florida is really Alabama. You know, I mean, right. Florida, is, Florida's a whole bunch of different places, and none of them get along. Which is why, when you you know, like we don't have any state pride when people say, "Oh, Florida's ridiculous." Everybody in Florida goes, "Yeah," but they mean you know, like you know the other part of Florida. Right. <laughs> so, in this uh, book, Swamp Story, uh, which again does a great job of talking about Florida, where really fiction kind of meets real life. Uh, is there a lot of stuff about South Florida, uh, the majority of the state? How does Florida get mentioned in this book? Well, it's mostly Miami, which is right next to the Everglades, and it's kind right. of how the two things bleed over one into the other. And there's a, you're going to be shocked to hear this. There's a certain amount of drug dealing going on in this book. <laughs> I'm shocked. Oh, that was odd. I think you have to go. Well, listen, I could talk to you for days. You're a great day, Barry. You've got another interview on a show that's not nearly as popular and nearly as good as mine, but you have to do it. So, <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Well, good luck with the book. It is the modesty. The modesty. <laughs> You're the best. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you. That's uh, Dave Barry. Go buy his book, Swamp Story. He's right. I'm not very modest. Why should I be? Talk Radio 77 WABC. Way down here. Oh, good song. Come on, Louie, baby. Well, what a great week you had, my man. Lou Rapino, you're the best. The best ever. The best ever. Great week for Justin Ellick. Ellick's made me so proud, I can't begin to tell you. I mean, really, really an unbelievable job, Justin. Unbelievable. And I am a pain in the ass. I bother you every day, and you always come up big. No Layton, great job, too. All of our guests all week long, terrific, really fun stuff. Uh, the bad news is I'm done. But we'll all be back again, this whole great crew, at 6 a.m. on Monday, uh, Monday morning. It's going to be a gorgeous weekend, folks. 70, sunny. Get out there. Take your clothes off. Enjoy the Kentucky Derby, the Knicks tomorrow. All the baseball, all the good stuff. Until Monday morning at 6, from all of us here on Sitting Friends in the Morning to all of you, have a safe weekend. If somebody messes you on the train, beat them up. Don't worry about it, okay? I got your back. Peace. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients, and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation. 
information or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident.